With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SVHN Network. And joining me once again are my senior editor, Jude Seymour, and Chief Inspector Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, it feels like a preseason season. We're about to have a season opener. Uh, so what's going down? We are we are back. Uh, 2.0 season opener. Uh, oh, oh, hold on, guys. I got there's a fly. I got to get this fly out. <laughs> Damn fly. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh no. no hold on oh shoot sorry guys keep going i just gotta jude you're into politics why did why did in a debate why did she why did a why did she not say mr vice president there's a fly on your head how like good of a move how, that's a strong debate because move. because the biden camp, the biden campaign was fiercely buying the domain flywillvote.com uh, so they could make little memes and jokes about it all day today. I know, but you, but like how strong of a debate move that is. That like you're sitting there, and, and I don't care what, who you are. A lot of these candidates look pretty. You look pretty damn smug while you're up there, right? You got because you're projecting like I know what I'm talking about, kind of thing. And but you got this fucking fly in your head, and you have no idea, and you got a red eyeball. How she? How does if she would have said, Mr. Vice President, there is a fly on your head. Does he just stand there and do nothing or does he start swatting at his own head? <laughs> I God, I would have paid money to, for that to happen. I just to, think just to see what I happen. think I, I would hope that the fly has endorsement deals by today. I would hope that the fly has cut a TikTok where it's drinking ocean spray and um, <laughs> skateboarding to Fleetwood Max dreams. I'm sure uh, it does by now. Am I the only one that's old enough to remember in 2016 when a fly landed on Hillary Clinton's face in oh, like no, the second debate? Up quite, that was brought up quite a bit today. Who I mean, the, is it the same fly? I know flies live <laughs> for like two I think it's 28 weeks or whatever. Days. Yeah, yeah, they don't live very long. <laughs> so unfortunately, but that flies, I know that that you that can. Is I know cockroaches. Is that the I know cockroaches you can put in the freezer and then can you can dethaw and bring them back to life. Maybe this is just the same fly that after the debate they're like, all right, let's put it back on ice. Wait till the till next year or next next four year cycle. I'm actually bring the fly I'm, back out. I'm actually very worried about that fly because if if it turns out uh, Pence is COVID positive, then the fly's gonna spend half of its life in quarantine. So Well, it could be like the fly. Have you seen Meet the Feebles? <laughs> Have I seen Meet the Feebles? No, that wasn't high on my list of movies to watch in nineteen ninety six. So uh, tell us all about it. Oh, Meet the Feebles. It's a Peter Jackson production. It is uh, uh, it's Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings fame, and he made a puppet movie called Meet the Feebles that was a play off of um, the Muppet Show, but it was pretending if the Muppet Show was real. But 
boy, um, it's not family friendly. Uh, <laughs> it, it sure is not family friendly at all. I think at one point they, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but, uh, there is a, uh, frog that fought in Nam and, uh, spends a lot of time doing, uh, heroin and he's a knife thrower. Uh, so that's, that's the kind of movie it was. Thanks, Peter Jackson. Peebles, watch it. And, it's great. And thus, thus endeth the, uh, OFD movie podcast. We did it. I mean, we, we're going to have to branch off and, and just become the, uh, OFD podcast network and then just come up with a, you know, a bunch of shows. I mean, movies definitely needs to uh, step into it. Did you guys know Peter Jackson was also involved in the West Memphis three? No, like he, like, yeah, heavily was a, a big, a, um, big money donor to like, you know, to, to help free the West Memphis. If you guys don't know what West Memphis three is, I'm not yes. going to go into it. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. very heavily. But if you're Jude and I's age and probably Brendan's too, it was a huge documentary on HBO, uh, when we were in high school. Um, and they eventually made two more after that. Uh, yeah. it was this is a great story about satanic panic and, and a whole bunch of nonsense. But anyways, yeah, Peter Jackson, uh, along with Eddie Vedder and, and a few other celebrities, were big into uh, into that. Peter Jackson used spent a lot of money, uh, mm. just wasting away in uh, in Arkansas <laughs> court costs. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, don't don't wear uh, eyeliner in Arkansas. That's... Yeah, that that first documentary is is pretty good, and then the second and third are kind of like curiosities where you're just kind of like, I want to know what happened with these guys, but they're not as good. Uh, I thought the second one they really were. Uh, I don't I don't want to say it's dangerous, but kind of was because they yeah. really painted a bad light on so you know tried pointing the finger hard on someone who probably wasn't. Was, yeah. Uh, yep. Actually, was it? And that's pretty dangerous, man. That's, that's irresponsible. That's pretty irresponsible, especially for a documentary. Documentary, that, yeah. That, fo- that focused on uh, people being wrongfully accused of crimes they did not commit, right? And to like then right. go around and turn around and on somebody else it just seemed. The, the third one brought it all around, and you and late and the way the evidence was laid out, it's like, oh yeah, no shit. Okay, yeah, this is how it. Yeah, this is how it fucking happened. <laughs> or this is why this is this. It's like, right. this is amazing. These guys have been locked away for 18, 19 years and they still, I mean, they had to come up with an Alfred plea. It wasn't even, <laughs> it wasn't even that they were exonerated. They just had to say they were guilty and then they got released. It's right. fucking, wow. Well, but anyways, uh, this is way, I don't even know what. <laughs> this what was like the first, this was like Florida state's performance in the first half against Jacksonville state. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to get into all of that. Notre Dame, obviously. I mean, they, they, look, everything's weird. And I think I might have used it as a preamble in several, at least two or three posts this week, maybe a fourth in the anti preview that will be up Friday morning. But, I mean, this is this has been a tough couple of weeks, like, for me. Like, this whole, like, uh, disorganized mess that's going on with college, this two weeks off, I'm not used to this. Brian Kelly's not used to this. I'm not used to this. It's kind of like his up-down start again kind of thing. And if it's if it's kind of weird for in you know and and dis, uh, disjointed for just a a, a manager of a freaking football blog, it's got to be really tough for the program itself. Uh, so it, it's just a, it's a strange time. I'm not sure where we're in or where we're at, but uh, man, it, at least 
things are going to feel whatever kind of normal 2020 can bring you the normalness, at least that's, that's coming up here. Uh, uh, just a day or so. So I don't know. So I guess my, my overall thought about this is I feel a little silly, uh, panicking, not panicking, um, freaking out about the depth chart released before the Duke game, because now I realize the depth charts in this year are especially bullshit. Uh, and, um, and I don't really, th- I really don't think they speak to who's going to play uh, Saturday, because uh, if you don't think Isaiah Foskey is going to play on Saturday, well, you should have another thing coming because that man is a beast. And the, well, what the I, idea that what I've took from the what I've took from Foskey's place on the depth chart is this: he's be, even though he's listed third, he's an or, so he, he could be an or number two. So he is the number two. On both sides, not the number three on both sides. He's he, it's somebody and or you know it's Ov or Foskey. He's just listed third. He's not the third guy. So if you're Brock if you're Rice, you're starting tight end. I was going to say let's talk about tight ends. ends. Like Who's Michael Mayer is not going to be. Oh, no, I was disagreeing with you, Jude. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. disagreeing with you at all. I just so weird. I yeah, it it's true. I mean, getting dropped on a Monday anyways is pointless. I mean, Tuesday was bad enough. Which is, you know, mo- most years it, it gets dropped on a Tuesday because that's what Brian Kelly's, uh, you know, news conferences. Yeah, that's when you that's yeah. when you kick it all off. Right. Things change this year, so it's getting dropped on a Monday, which doesn't do us any good because I mean, and we're gonna I guess we're gonna have to wait at least one more week to find out what's happening with the with the Buck linebacker position because there was quite a few in the media that had said Jack Kaiser had gone from third string to guaranteed starter for the for the uh for the game last week that got canceled yeah. or two weeks ago that got canceled and then now he's quote unquote unavailable for this weekend's game so we I really mean, don't we don't really know who's the of, deserved starter on that you well, know it could be a lot of people are talking out their ass too yeah <laughs> and, and that's but we'll have to wait another week to see if people are talking out their ass or there was some truth to that you know, the, the coaches were so wild by a performance against South Florida that they moved him from third string to starter, which I find I mean, the wild kind of incredulous. Was the, fact, was the fact that he had, didn't have any idea he was starting and right. was thought of him was a scout team linebacker up until the afternoon of that game. That was pretty wild. I mean, um, look, we, 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 had, we have a overreactions galore, right, which is like there was an article written about Clarence Lewis where one of his high school teammates called him a prodigy. And he's still not listed as the starter. And I'm not saying he won't play because I just I just uh, got through saying depth target. How about how is or though? How Isn't Clarence Lewis an or though? Clarence is yeah. an or. The, so the how second, how, that is a starter. The second thing is that PFF decides to put out a tweet that says God bless him. Notre Dame has probably the best offensive linemen since offensive linemen positions were created, I guess. Um, yes. uh, that's I think it was Jamie Uyama from uh, Irish Sports Daily said, you know, maybe this one should have sat in a drafts folder for a couple more minutes after, you know, they played all two games against Duke and South Florida. I mean, well, I don't know if it's going to get any worse. It's going to get a lot better after this week. I'll tell you that much. Well, but but that's the thing is like, you know, it's sort of like you watching UConn women's basketball before the before the tournament. It's like you haven't really learned anything about who these guys are because they just they beat up on a bunch of teams they were supposed to beat. You know, like it's it's Duke is own four. And, and maybe you say like, oh, they're a pretty good own four team. But like they're still own four, you know, uh-huh. so like this idea that 
we've learned a lot from them playing Duke in South Florida. I just, I guess I take the other side of that, you know, and I think a lot of people are well, too. I guess I just look at it like this, like this is how every year goes though. Right. right. Like for most teams, they, except by this point, we year, thought we'd have a four game sample size instead of a two. No, game I, sample no, I, size. no, I, no, I get it. I mean, cause the, the dates what screws you up. Three. Yeah. Three game yep. sample size. But it, but I mean, in reality, we all, I mean, this happens for, you know, every year for a number of teams mm-hmm. because it's just a small sample size. But what, what do you say? What do you do now? PFF is, you know, they're putting their, their, their position rankings together. And it so happens to have a Notre Dame, the way they're graded out as just a fucking phenomenally dominant unit. And that number sticks out. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I mean, I think that's kind of not shitty of JB. He can say whatever he wants, but I mean, come the fuck on. I mean, they're going to put out, if they don't put out their position rankings, people are like, well, where are they at? Where's that's the what content? They do. Right, that's yeah, what they well, do. And everybody well, knows because everybody looked at the ACC preseason All-American team and three quarters of the preseason ACC All-American team were Boston College offensive linemen. Well, Notre Dame <laughs> gave up three sacks. They gave up three sacks to Duke in the opener. Do you know how many times Duke sacked that um, world-class Boston College offensive line with do-everything Phil Jerkovic? Six times. Double the number. So, uh, obviously, greatest offensive line of all time? Question mark? Well, here's the thing. I think Jamie was justified because of the second half of that of that statement, right? It's one thing to put out your 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 thing and say Notre Dame has a top rated offensive line or whatever, but the like the glowing and I can't remember what the add on was, but it was something to the. Well, I'll tell exactly of, what like, it was. It's exactly what it was. It's, okay. It said they're the highest rated, which makes it the best offensive line since 2016. <laughs> they didn't. They, yes. didn't, they didn't go. They didn't go. They, they didn't. They didn't use the words ever. Or, right. or any of that, they're going off of what their rankings were since 2016. And according to their math, uh, it's his highest combined O-line PFF grade since, since 2016. And then it gives the listings. The problem coming in is, it, is really is the opinion after that. Gee, I see what you're saying. It's the opinion yeah. after that where it says, this Irish O-line might be the best I have ever seen at the college level. Right that's why Anthony, Anthony Tresh or Trash, oh. uh, who got your clicks. I mean, honest to God looks all of about maybe 25, <laughs> may, maybe 25. Now, and this, I am not age discriminate or any of that stuff. And, and people like, look at this kid. He, he didn't play ball. I, I don't discriminate against that. But when you start saying things like this is the best offensive line I've ever seen at the college level, you, even if you go back 10 years of really, if you're 15 and paying hardcore attention, that's pretty good. I come on, dude, uh, that, that, that part could have been left out. Come right. On. And so I think, there, I think that's there, what there Jamie was, is. Was, I, think, yeah. I, I think we just look. I think, yeah, you know, yeah, I get this, that. Th- that is the September Heisman of all comments. You know what I mean? Like the people that were like, uh, Kenny, the, the thrill Hill is the, is the next serious Heisman contender. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it like Kenny trill, by the way. Uh, sorry. Uh, you know, th- those are the kind of things that people do. And then they, and then people throw in their face back in, in November and December. Right. So it's just like, 
it's like, look, am I excited about the Notre Dame offensive line through two games? You bet I am. Am I looking forward to another dominant performance against Florida State? Absolutely, un- unequivocally. Uh, do I say that they are the best offensive line I've ever seen in college football? No. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older though. So, uh, maybe that's where, you know, look, I got to watch Aaron Taylor play. Um, you know, so, uh, I just, the whole thing just strikes, that just struck me as kind of funny. Here's another, here's another one for PFF, uh, that that they dropped yesterday, uh, which was, uh, fuck, what's today? Thursday. So they they (laughs) dropped this on, uh, uh, Wednesday, and, and this and, and this is pretty strong. There was no opinion given in this one. Just straight up, highest graded power five non-QBs in college football, which I, I love that. I love that. Take the quarterbacks out. Get, give me the best five players. Number one, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. But number two and number four were from Notre Dame. Number two, Liam Eikenberg. Number four, Jared Patterson. So Liam Eikenberg and Jarrett Patterson, who I've been on the Jarrett Patterson train uh, since they, they recruited him, by the way. Uh, but those are two of your top five players in all of college football outside of the quarterbacks. That's fucking nuts crazy. And this isn't a biased thing. This is like this is PFF doing their normal <laughs> shit. Like they got to. I, I mean, Judy, you, 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 yeah. PFF. Here's a PFF. Because uh, why not? This is also from PFF this week. Um, most coverage snaps at outside cornerback without <laughs> a single yard allowed. Number one, Tariq, Darius yeah. Williams, yeah. O- Oklahoma State. Number two, Jaden Hill from Florida. Number three, in his one game of action, <laughs> Tariq Bracey. I mean, it's just come on, you know. Look, what are we doing? I love it. Here's what here's what means something to me. Aaron Taylor gave a, a gave a pretty good uh, story. I think it might have been a premium article and ND Insider, but you know I subscribe, so and I, I feel like you should too. But he was explaining the whole pin and pull versus outside zone. Um, it's it super helpful for for novices or or noobs like me who really uh, try really struggle to understand these concepts. But one of the things that he said in that article was the guy that was impressing him the most on the offensive line for Notre Dame was Liam Eigenberg. And he talked about some of the strengths that he saw in in Eikenberg's games that had impressed him and that had impressed people that he talked to like that to me means more than some PFF grading. And I understand that they have guys who sit there and and watch the film a hundred times, but um, I just, you know, guys like Aaron Taylor, they just, they just sit there and watch the offensive line. Like that's, that's what they're, that's what they're into and they know what they're looking for. And so, um, to me, when, when, when a former, you know, all American Notre Dame captain, NFL football player, um, you know, college hall of fame, yeah, super college, one of the greatest offensive linemen that's ever lived. Yeah. It says he's impressed with Liam Eikenberg like that, that I take that stuff to the bank. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me is like, this is good. Two things about two things about Liam Eikenberg that impressed me. Two very important things. Number one, he's from Ohio. Number two, <laughs> hashtag. yeah, hashtag Ohio forever. Number two, I don't believe he's and someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong, and, and then they will. I don't think he's been called for a false start all season. And well, there's no crowd noise. Honest, <laughs> hey, well, whatever. Hey, whatever. You got to play with what you got to play with, right? Yeah. But the point being is that Liam Eikenberg was a is a really good offensive tackle, and a lot of people know this and have 
we're stating that in the preseason before any of the this is going on, but you bring up his name to a lot of Notre Dame fans. And one of the things that gets brought up the most by, by fans, you know, being critical is the false starts, right? Like sure. get really, just like, just like, I mean, it, it just reminds me so much of McFlinchy. Uh, McFlinchy. Yeah. Mc, you know, he was Mike McFlinchy before he was Mike McGlinchey, uh, right. first, you know, top 10 draft pick. And Eichenberg has seemed to take that same, uh, turn. And, that impresses the shit out of me. Now, where he's at, as far as you know, uh, you know, in the with the rest of the offensive, offensive linemen or just college football players in general or throughout the country, is one thing, and that's great, that's cool, and that's awesome. But but just getting him to get over his dumb little hiccups to be the best player that he that that he is is a big step up, and that's great. I mean, that's that's awesome, fantastic news. So. Yeah, so, but you're right. I, you know, we've t- we've talked endlessly about this, and I, I'm not bringing this up to to toot my own horn again because it's still a long way from proving true. But um, I'm most excited about seeing Kevin Austin return to the field. I mean, it's been I would say more than a hot minute at this point, uh, a couple years, right? Since uh, we last saw Mr. Austin on the field, uh, sporting the uh, the blue and gold. And so, you know, I don't care if he comes in when it's 35 nothing and he plays 10 snaps. Uh, or 15 snaps or whatever Kelly thinks that he should play. Um, I'm just excited to see him out there again. I'm hoping that he gets some reps with book, um, you know, but at least throw him the damn ball and see what we, we can do with him because he is, he's a big dude. He's sorely needed in this offense and I welcome him back with, with wide open arms. All right. We're going to get, we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, here in just a minute, but you guys, uh, we do have, we have one review this week. Uh, I, I don't know if everyone's mad cause we took so long to get to another episode. Look, we need to, I kind of needed a break. Uh, we, we have, there's stuff going on. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, with, with this being a prime time game, I, I thought, you know, maybe, a, a a late Thursday night, early Friday morning, people, you know, you, you still got plenty of time to listen to a, a, to a three and a half hour episode. You got plenty of time. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're you know maybe we'll get there, uh, but but we do got one review in. So just a reminder for everybody: go over to Apple Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, uh, and whatever review that you read or that you leave, I will read uh, word for word on the show. Um, I do before I get that. I do want to give a special shout out uh, to one of my best friends, uh, Steve Bechtel. Uh, Listen. So this guy, listen. This is this was my best friend in high school, right? He would pick me up every day. He drove a seven one Impala, which you could fit like twelve people in, right? Like we were in this car. We lived in this damn car uh, throughout high school. Uh, but but he was a fucking Miami fan. Like he was one of those guys that that latched latched on to Miami all these years. Uh, but slowly but surely, I'm not sure if it was because of his wife. But now he roots for the Irish quite a bit, uh, and in fact, uh, I'll uh, I I went out and uh, and talked to him and his wife out in the stands. Uh, I can't remember what game that was last year, but but uh, like I said, one of my best friends uh, of of all time, seven one Apollo, well, great memories. Left us a review because he doesn't go to Apple, he doesn't have Apple, uh, but he just wanted to say that this he looks forward to this one every week, uh, and that I am the all time awesomest person in the world. Um, or something like that. I'm sure he said something glowing about me and how cool I am and how 
fucking dominant I am. So you guys, you guys ever have that? You guys ever have like a chauffeur? Uh, yeah, I had a chauffeur from age, uh, I guess the day I was born to about 15 and a half. Uh, I had two, two, two chauffeurs. Look at Ricky Schroeder over here. Silver, silver spoons. Well, I called one mom and I called the other dad. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I had a Bechtel and even like we lived together, uh, for about a year and a half, uh, uh, about a year or so after I left college. And I remember the day he bought this Tahoe and he thought it was this Tahoe was this the shit. And it was, it was fucking nice, nice Tahoe. But something he didn't like about the Tahoe was that the things about Tahoes are is that a lot of times people ride in the back seat because their driver drives them around in a Tahoe, whether it be the president or whatever. Uh, so a lot of times I would just get in the back seat and treat him like he was my chauffeur as we were going to the bars. I did. <laughs> and he'd sit there for like 10 minutes. Like, I'm not moving this car, dude, unless you get up front. I'm like, come on, man, let's go. Let's drive. Uh, and so, you know, he had to, he had to live with that for a few years. So just, I just had to get that out there. I th- thought about that the other day. Having a friend who's a chauffeur is a good thing. It's probably the reason why I'm alive today. All right, let's get to this five-star review from Lulu524. Love the pod. Keep up the great banner. Fun and refreshing. Has a nice barroom chatter feel, you think? Stay passionate and entertaining. Go Irish. By the way, Tombstone Frozen Pizza is solid. DiGiorno Frozen Pizza is solid as well. Home Run Pizza is not. It's meh. Thought I would chime in since another reviewer tossed that out last episode. Just to repeat, Home Run and Pizza is meh at best. I know you enjoy saying that, Josh, so you can say it one more time. Home run in is meh. Keep the great pods coming. I'm looking forward to the next Irish Saturday. Thanks again. So I turn, I'm going to turn that into a ringtone. Um, <laughs> meh. Home run in is meh. 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 I don't know. All right. So this is freaking game week. I've, I've yes. got Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So Florida State is not good. Florida State is a bad football team. And uh, another thing that I've repeated this week is that when people are talking about trap games, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh was a, is the like an all-time trap like name. People just throw it like, oh, yeah, even if you're not playing Pitt, you'd be like, yeah, Pitt's the trap game. I kept looking at Florida State as a trap game. And for a reason being, they're, they're still a very talented football team. As well as I had a lot of I have a lot of respect for for Mike Norvell as a football coach and what he can do. I, I really admired what he did at Memphis, um, and I thought you know that Florida State got it right this time, and that's going to be a dangerous game. Uh, and then you know there was a lot of friction between Norvell and his own players uh, during you know over the summer during uh, uh, you know a lot of the social movements going on and, and things said or not said or not communicated and, and a whole bunch of nonsense, which is not good for a first year head coach to have that kind of friction with your team before you have even coached a game for them. Uh, and then Florida state, and then he gives, he gives James Blackman the job again, which is <laughs> another, you know, shitty decision. And they just, their offensive line is just trash. It's garbage. And so you throw a lot together, plus the fact that Ravel contracted, uh, you know, the coronavirus and couldn't, I mean, 
Florida State feels like a hot mess. I mean, whatever Cuomo said, hot mess in a dumpster fire, barreling down track, whatever it was, that's Florida State football right now. Um, and, and I'm not saying that as a dickhead fan uh, trying to have fun with it. I mean, they seem really fucking messy. They're awful. I, for whatever reason, spent a no. I don't know the reason because I, I wanted to want to know what I was talking about. And I watched a lot. Of, I watched a lot of Florida State. I watched a lot of Florida State this week. And I watch. I mean, I've watched all of their games as they were happening, just because you know the one game against Miami was the primetime game, and the Georgia Tech game was, um, you know, Schadenfreude because it was uh, Georgia Tech, who I thought was the worst team in the ACC, was sticking it to Florida State with a true freshman quarterback and you're right, man, there's nothing about this Florida state team. There's, there's certain components that I like, like Tamori and Terry. I like, um, I, you know, I, I, I like, um, uh, Marvin Wilson, their, their D tackle. He's really good. He's probably a top 10 NFL pick. I like the freshman running back Lawrence, uh, to a but, everything else is hot trash. They're starting the third string quarterback. That's not great. Uh, he's a Louisville transfer. Uh, it's not like he's a, uh, an up and coming champion. Their, their best guy, uh, Chuba Purdy is still a freshman waiting in the wings and not ready. So they're going to Jordan Travis, who is kind of like Brandon Wimbush. When I watched him, he throws the ball good long. He throws it long, but he has no sort of horizontal accuracy. He's a long striding runner. I don't, I don't see how that's going to play well against the Notre Dame front, even without Myron Tagamosa, who's out for this game for unknown, but we know the reason reasons. Um, Just their offensive line, they're, they were the 129th ranked. I think PFF at the end of the year, we can all say that they do a pretty good job. Uh, maybe not so much at the beginning of the year, but with all the data points in place, they were the 129th ranked offensive line, according to PFF last year. That's the absolute worst this year. They've already given up 11 sacks. They're on pace to give up 40 sacks. They played Georgia tech and Jacksonville state to get to that 11 sack mark. It's bad. It's really bad against Jacksonville state, the Jacksonville state quarterback, whose name I didn't bother to look up or even care to look up. He was 11 for 12 passing the football in the first half, (laughs) 11 for 12. It's just, and, and I get, I get that maybe they're, best um i mean asante samuel their cornerback who's who's very good he's the only guy who's not a single digit number in their secondary so he'll be uh very easy to see he's number 26 but um hamza um nasrul dean who's their safety who was in the infamous acc the one that put all the boston college linemen in there uh, he's the safety that they picked over kyle hamilton and he had 100 tackles last year, and, and the guy can tackle. And their their pass defense was shitty last year. They were 119th against the pass, or 109th against the pass last year in yards allowed. But the most ridiculous part about them and their badness is that opposing quarterbacks are completing 69.9% of their passes against Florida Jeez. State this year. Say, and, that, uh, say that stat one more time. Uh, 69, nice. 0.9. <laughs> 
yards per pass. And this is including Jeff Sims, the quarterback who had mentioned the true freshman from um, uh, Georgia Tech. He, in that game, passed 23 for 34 for 67.6% completion percentage against Florida State. Against UCF and Syracuse, his next two games, he was a combined 31 for 64, 48% passing the ball. What the fuck is happening with, with their <laughs> pass defense? And it's not like they're getting to the quarterback. They have two top 10 players in the nation from the 2017 recruiting class in Marvin Wilson and um, uh, Joshua Kando. They have three sacks on the year. There's only two teams that have played three games this season that have fewer sacks. And it's Navy and South Florida. And South Florida played Notre Dame, and that's why they have fewer sacks. Um, but I, they can't they can't stop the pass. They can't rush the quarterback. They can't keep their quarterback upright. What 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 are we doing here? They were losing by twenty one to seven late in the, the 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 second quarter against an FCS opponent, and they were losing at the half. So you're saying they're not good. It's not great, <laughs> Jude. Now you're you're uh, some ki- you're some kind of pick guru. All of a sudden, wow. uh, I mean, you and you obviously watch. I mean, I know that you watched the Miami game. Did you watch? You watched the Georgia Tech game too, didn't you? Georgia Tech and which Florida Georgia State? Tech? Oh, Florida, Florida State. State. No. Yeah. Nope, I did not see that one. But you saw the Miami Florida State game. I did. Yes. Okay. So. I mean, same question to you. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> how is Florida State this bad? I, that's a that's a I, 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 I don't know, because they should be a lot. They should they should definitely be a lot better. I mean, um, you know, part of it is <laughs> part of it is the the disastrous, you know, Willie Taggart fair. Um you know, I, I, I like Norvell a lot. I, I, he was on kind of my personal short list for guys that I was kind of eyeing for when Brian Kelly finally retired. Um, I do think that he'll yeah. eventually turn it around. And I think Florida state is just one of those schools that like they're, they're in a good place. Um, though they should always recruit well. Um, but whether it's the disharmony that happened over the, the summer or, um, some of the COVID stuff or, or what these guys are just, they're having a rocky start to the, to the season. And to be honest with me, the, the things that worry me about this game have nothing to do with Florida state. They're always on Notre Dame side of the ball. How does Notre Dame look after, um, all this time off? That's to be honest with you. It's when I look at the spread and think about how much, how much the score is going to be, I just think about, is it possible that Notre Dame is playing lethargic for a couple of quarters before they kind of find their footing because they haven't been uh, out there with, with full, with full teams or they haven't been pounding. Um, are you worried? Recovering. Are you worried that the bar may be set too high right now? Like, like people like, like even us, listen, listen to the shit we're talking Oh, yeah. You know, about how bad and how terrible Florida State is. And then you got a line that's set up like, what, 21, 20, 21 and a half. But yet Notre Dame's coming off of just a weird time, uh, you know, with those two weeks off. 
are are we setting the bar way too high? Like, like, is it, is it possible? Like there's a 17 point win in there that should be a solid win given the circumstances, but will be looked at as like, what the hell is going on? Fire Brian Kelly. Yeah. You know what I mean? do, do you remember when we had that discussion before Duke and we were talking about, you know, oh, it's going to be 40 to 13 or, you know what I mean? And, and then I threw out, well, what is it, what is it going to be 21 to three? And then you said, well, that's the most interesting score of all, because that's the one where people are like, okay, on the one hand, Clark Lee, awesome three points. On the other hand, what happened with the offense and why was this game, you know, was this game kind of a nail biter, you know, 21 to three could be a lot of things. It could be seven to three at the half, you know? Um, I, 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 I don't want to, I want to believe that Notre Dame is going to come out and this is going to shape up, shake out all the cobwebs. But I also know that they've been showing some of the same things every, everybody else has been showing in terms of the, the, some of the sloppy tackling that's been based off of lack of practices. And, and frankly, I don't know, you know, the, you know, somebody, I think it was the Irish illustrated podcast said, don't, don't bet any game until, until Notre Dame releases the players who are not playing 90 minutes before the game. Um, you know, we got this, we got the South Florida surprise where all of a sudden, I think it was about an hour and a half before the game. We, we found out that, you know, seven players that we didn't know weren't going to play, uh, didn't play in that game. And, and for South Florida, that's no big deal. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying that Notre Dame's going to lose this game if they lose another seven players, but I'm just saying at some point, you know, guys have to get reps in and they're, they haven't had a lot of on field, uh, on field time. And so if it gets ugly, uh, you know, and it's a 23 to zero or 23, seven sort of game or whatever. Like, do we just say, okay, well, that was just a couple weeks of lethargic, you know, Notre Dame coming back from, from the COVID thing, or, or we say, um, this is a continuation of sort of some of the things that people have raised about the offensive production so far this year. I guess. Yeah. What I'm I, not, yeah, go I, agree. I yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I say, I, yeah, I'm not sure of what the answer is there. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, like, is there a way to have like a lethargic win that still is look, looked well upon by a majority of people? It's, I guess in the Notre Dame fan base, that, that's probably a, a hard no, though, right? Virginia well, last year. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, look, right? if, if Notre Dame won this game 31 nothing, right, where they scored 21 points in the first half. And then they scored 10 in the, the second half or whatever. Like most people, I think most people would just be like, okay, this is, that's fine or whatever. But it's so funny how 21 to nothing would make people feel uneasy. Like we should have blown out this team. And I, and again, I think this goes back to, you know, people who pay attention to this stuff, they know what the line is set at and they believe Vegas to have some sort of, you know, special Oracle or whatever. And so their, their expectation certainly mirrors what the line is. So if the line is 20 and a half or 21 points or whatever, then all of a sudden their aim should automatically win the game by 21 points. No questions asked. And so if you end up winning a game, say 31, 14 or whatever, it could have been 31, nothing. And then you give up two garbage touchdowns, but people are going to be pissed. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. Or it could be the opposite where, you know, like I said, where it's 14 all and then they, where Bryce Perkins, pitches a perfect game in the first half, but Notre Dame, and I don't think Notre Dame did anything. Who was the leading rusher in that game? It was Ian book, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. there wasn't really a component to the game that was like, what's your favorite highlight from that game? I mean, it was defensive uh, touchdowns and sack fumbles and sacks, but 
I don't know. Yeah, I I think that there's a, a component to it where you can see Notre Dame coming out looking lethargic. And I wonder what Kelly's going to do game plan wise, because this is the first game that Braden Lindsay is 100 percent. And they gave Braden Lindsay media access where um, I advised Carter Carls to uh, <laughs> lean heavily into uh, um, pressing him on his love for uh, anime. <laughs> uh, she did. Um, but yeah, it's the first game that we're going to have a, a healthy Braden Lindsay. I expect to see Braden Lindsay take some balls around the edge to see if he can um, get outside these underwhelming uh you know, uh, I think Florida State runs a four-two-five. Um, so I'd like to see maybe Braden Lindsay try and and get one around the edge. See what what Braden a uh, fast Braden Lindsay does. Kevin Austin, I guess one component that that stirs the drink is what does he in book look like? Um, he hasn't found a rhythm yet this season. Uh, he's got the healthiest his wide receiver room's ever been. Uh, Benny Sko's back. I don't know what your thoughts are on uh, Ben Skoranek, but he's back now. Um, and then Kevin Austin is going to at least come onto the field to at least give a Princess Die wave a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I, I forget who said it, and I believe I read it this week, but you know, somebody was talking about how important it is to get so many to get reps between quarterbacks and, and receivers. And sometimes, um, you know, quarterbacks don't look great because they just haven't had enough time with their receivers. And it's not about, it's not about so much like, um, you know, the quarterback can't locate it in the right place. It's about where the guy likes the ball. Um, when, when the quarterback is flushed, how the instinct of the, the receiver knows to, to, mirror the quarterback, you know what I mean? Like a lot of that right. stuff just comes through so much repetition and so much practice, um, that you, that you just can't say like, well, I feel, I feel great confidence in, uh, Ian book and X receiver, um, because there really hasn't been a lot of that time there. And, and we heard some stories about, uh, I think Skoranek wa- flying out to California to get some time in with, with book or whatever, but it doesn't replace, being on the field and, and, you know, Brennan corrected me in, in the beginning of this episode saying oh, we'd only have three games under our belt, but I look at it in terms of the old schedule, which is like, you know, Navy, uh, Western Michigan, Arkansas, and, and, and Wisconsin, you know, like, I feel like we should be four games and most of the other teams are four games in. So I, I'm trying to think about it in terms of a, what this would look like after four games and unfortunately, we only have two games worth of data, and I'm not sure those two games are that instruct, um, insightful about what we're going to see in the future. I don't worry – again, I don't worry about Florida State. I think this thing takes care of itself even if they play rocky or shaky or they look um, like they just took off two weeks from practice. But um, I, I just – I think of it in terms of like who who are making the true connections between Book and the receivers, and, and, and can they get on the same page – so that when we get into the meat of this schedule, um, that we're feeling confident about this this receiver core more so than we are right now. I, I think something that isn't being talked about enough, and and I think I, I think maybe I'm just gonna have to be the motherfucker that leads the charge on this. <laughs> is that I mean, fuck's sake, how many how many points per game did the 2002 Buckeyes have when they won their national championship? 14 and 0 Ohio State. 
They averaged 29 points a game, and they gave up 13 points a game. At some point this season, I think Notre Dame fans are just going to have to get it. You can still win football games, even if your offense is a little rocky. You're got. I think there is a great. Well, and I, you know, and I, I mentioned this uh, maybe in the last podcast, two podcasts ago. I am not worried about these teams outscoring Notre Dame. Like I'm not worried about them getting to 20 points. Can you get three? Can you get three touchdowns? Now there's only one team on the schedule where that may be an issue, and yep. still, and, and still, I think they match up very well. There so, is only I one mean, team. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. At I some just, point, people are people. I think people need to slow down the the fucking hand wringing and just like overall like panic button uh, because of the offense and look over to what Clark Lee and the defense are doing. Which yes, they, that stuff does go hand in hand. You know, if you have a more efficient offense, your your really good defense is it makes is even better. And I get that, I understand it completely. All I'm saying is is that. A lot of this hand wringing is is it done because you're actually worried that they're going to lose a game, or you're worried that they're actually terrible, or you're worried about one other game that's like weeks away? I guess the way I'm looking at it is, I was like, this defense is fucking solid, and they got yeah. some great players. And I mean, there's Kyle Hamilton is still wearing a gold helmet, and he's I only played I'm one okay. game. I, 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 mean, I think I just... I'm okay with a slower with the slower start. I'm okay with them. I mean, the the same people that were bitching about run the damn football are bitching that they were not passing in the way they want it passed. Are you fucking kidding me? They're running the football. They're fucking, they're actually completing screen passes for positive yards. And <laughs> the people that are bitching about that are bitching about what's happening about now. I, if you're looking for a juggernaut at all, to, at all times, that is not what this team is, and you should not. You wanted Javon McKinley to go for eight catches and 152 yards because that's who Javon McKinley is, and that's who Ian Book has been having to throw to, right? So, so I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. I just, if, I, I just want to. If you're living off the mantra of defense wins championships, and I'm not really speaking to you, Jude. I'm just speaking to people out there, and running the football as a key, as a key, they're doing all those things. And they're doing them with their second string wide receivers out there. I think maybe we should slow our roll and chill out a little bit. I, not I to sure. say not to, not to pay attention, but this, but this just slow, slow the hot takes on it a little bit. I, I hear what you're saying, but I will say just to push back very lightly on this because I, I don't, I'm not married to this point in the college football playoff era. The teams that have prevailed ultimately have been offensive built teams that, you know, certainly have done OK on, on defense, but the it, they've been offensive juggernauts. And, you know, the idea that you can hold the team to eight, you know, you can average teams to 18 points a game or whatever. Well, then you still have to play Clemson in the, in the college football playoff and you're not going to hold them to 18 points. So, you know, 20, 27 points is probably not going to get it done against Clemson. Um, to that point, the 2018 Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who averaged 31.4 points per game, was the lowest average of any team to have made the college football playoff right. since, 2000, since 2014. So you're spot on, it's, man. And so how – yeah, but how has Oklahoma done in the playoffs? 
uh, how many terrible. points per game they score. But, well, they did, they have L, 152. How did LSU do that? I mean, but no, 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 Oklahoma some, also how, how, every I mean, year has been the team that's given up the most. What was the defense a couple years ago? I'm on board with that. Oklahoma's a fraud. I don't think you can – I understand what you're saying about 2002, but I think that I actually think that's too far o- apart from what the current reality of, nerd, of, of college football is. I think 2012 – I think 13 is kind of the cutoff because even like that 2012 Alabama team and just the way that – was, It was a bit of an extreme, right? Because that 2002 or 2002 Ohio State team was kind of like one of the strangest national champions we've ever seen. Like what how many close game games was it? Fourteen to seven. Yeah, they had, you know, how many close games did they have? They almost lost to yeah. Purdue that year too. It was. It was <laughs> they always almost lose to Purdue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. almost, Spoiler but makers. The, 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 point, the point being is that, you know, I, there wasn't many. I live in Buckeye Land. There weren't many Buckeye fans bitching after they won a national championship about their stale ass offense with Craig Rensel. The only thing they were doing is handing the ball off to Maurice Claret. No, nope. and, and I think I think no one would complain if we were to beat Clemson and Alabama back to back, you know, just picking two random teams. I'm not <laughs> saying that, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. the game and the games back were 24-17 or 24-20 or something like that. But I just I think we've seen that these these offenses are built a lot uh, chunkier and that these games yeah. don't tend to end up 24-20 anymore. But they just, tend to. I guess you know. I have a question for but you guys. So, I mean, it's 24, 22 in a literal yeah, monsoon, right? Josh, dude, I, I have a question for you guys as, as far as the offense's construction. Do you think that if they wanted to in the Duke game, they could have just run the football and scored 35, 41, you know, 35, 42 points. If, if they didn't try and press the issue with a passing game, do you think that this offense, if it wants to, can just run the ball at will. Like if they were in a situation where they were like, we need to win a football game. Here's our strategy. Do you think that they have the offensive line and now the players playing at the running back position and then a quarterback who can also put those players in a position. And if he needs to, he can keep it as well. Cause Ian book hasn't really shown himself as a threat to run yet at this point either. Do you think that this is an offense where if they play a Clemson in November, just to really rackle Josh uh, by bringing up Clemson. But do you think that if they want to run the ball, they can just run the ball. And at this stage of the season, they're still trying to figure out what they can do with the pass. Is, is that, well, is that, is that silly or it's not silly, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> like, I, like, I, I really don't know. Like, that's, like we that's, just, we just, that's my point too. We just, I, we just don't know. For, we just we don't know. The FF for their, lack of data points. And we are on the same end on that. What I do know is this, is that I am, I am very certain that Notre Dame's offensive line is really fucking good. And I am also very certain that our offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese is determined to run the football. How do I know this? When you're trotting out three tight ends, you are determined to run the football. He is making, that wasn't a talking point. For Tommy Reese, many offensive coordinators, many head coaches have come in and said, you know, running is the focus point, And then it kind of goes out the window fairly quickly. That hasn't been the case as from what I can tell. Uh, so if that's their focus and what they're building their offense around and like, and I mentioned the screen passes, which seems silly, right? 
It's just it's just a play. It's just a, a short pass play. But it could be a very dangerous weapon uh, when used correctly. I, I I think if you're using that as your base, your offense, yeah, 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 you know, maybe. But we just haven't seen enough yet to to really know. And it, and even more so, we haven't seen our front line guys enough yet to really know that. I mean, I mean, my the game plan against the game plan against South Florida maybe struck me as like Tommy knew that he was going to be able to run the ball all day on those guys. And that's why he rotated those backs in because he was giving everybody a look because he's oh, like, yeah, look, every, you know, the offensive line is going to do its job. And now it's just like, I want to watch the running backs, how they, how they perform. I think I don't, you know, in terms of tendencies or I know what you're saying about bringing in the, the three tights or whatever, but like, I want to see Tommy Reese game planning in a dog fight. I want to see when, when the team is either down or it just can't impose its will on, on, on another team because to be honest with you, it's not hard to conceive of a game plan when you're playing South Florida. I think it'll be a little bit more difficult when you're playing North Carolina. Well, North Carolina uh, was in a dog fight with uh, uh, Boston yeah, College. I would put North Carolina there. I, I would put Pitt. I mean, because Pitt has the defensive. Uh, Pitt's got personnel. 19 sacks on the season. And Patrick yeah, Jones, I, the second, is just he's eating yeah. people. And I was so yeah, dismissive I, against Pitt to start the season. But like. I'm not, I'm not discounting North Carolina that on a Friday night, the day after Thanksgiving, I, I'm not, I'm not totally, I wouldn't use the word discount, but I would, they wouldn't have been my first name that I brought up. Well, I, I I avoided the Clemson name because I didn't want to start off the fireworks. So, right. So I'm correcting you. So the correct (laughs) name, the correct name, Jude was pissed. Now, do you know which quarterback, do you know which quarterback in the ACC leads all quarterbacks in yards? It's Kenny, Kenny fucking Pickett. So, and I mean, the super weapon went down last weekend because it's exactly in in Andy Staples had to eat a a spoonful of mayonnaise and Andy Staples is a notorious uh, mayonnaise hater, but they lost to NC state this weekend. um, And they were riding the, the razor's edge against where the hell did NC state come from? I don't know. Like there was, I had no expectation for that happening on that game. Like, I mean, I picked Pitt to win and I was fairly confident that Pitt would win. And but I didn't Dave think Doran be... does when you when just, <laughs> yeah, when Dave right. Doran's like the undertaker. You think he's dead. It's, it's what they did before Notre Dame beat the shit out of him in like 2017. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> you thought he was on the hot seat. It's like, you know, they were seven and six year before seven and six year before that. And then they were like, Oh, it's Dave Doran on the hot seat. And then NC state comes out gangbusters. Yeah. So I mean, that, yeah. I mean, but I mean, that just goes to show you Pitt's true colors. I mean, it's still Pitt. Still super I mean, weapon. These, these things, ha- these things happen. Um, so I don't know the, the ACC gentlemen might get weird, might get weird. I mean, this, this weekend, <clears throat> you know, the, you know, Miami Clemson, that could get weird. I'm still not sold on Miami being some, We've seen this picture show before. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pitt, uh, you know, we see this picture show before with Miami, uh, and then uh, they got, you know, they get set back down to earth. I think that's probably what's going to happen this weekend. Um, but if Miami proves me wrong, uh, things got a whole lot more interesting. And it, it does feel strange that the ACC didn't, I mean, it, it, 
didn't schedule Notre Dame Miami. That seemed like it was a, a natural, uh, you know, part of the schedule and that they weren't the one. So, I mean, there, there is a definite route for Notre Dame Miami and Charlotte instead of Notre Dame Clemson. Uh, if Notre Dame sneak, you know, maybe the, the whole thing that we were all believing that you had to beat Clemson twice yeah, or like might not happen. Do you beat Clemson the second time to, Maybe, maybe all that goes out the window. Maybe Notre Dame just has to beat them once in South Bend and to get to Charlotte and to play Miami to get in the playoff. I, this, I don't know. This what Mandel this, put out into the ether that if there was a scenario, uh, he put it in his mailbag this week. He said, Notre Dame beats Clemson, then loses to North Carolina, like Jude predicts, and then they go 10 and 1, and then Miami beats Clemson. And then so Miami would play uh, Clemson in the ACC title game and then Clemson beats Miami and then Notre Dame and Clemson both go to the playoff and probably play each other again in the playoff. So this seems <laughs> that's a little far fetched. This feels like a good time to bring this up. Like, do you guys feel more confident or less confident that we're going to get to an ACC championship than you oh, did confident. before we- weekend week one? I've watched a lot of ACC football and ACC fo- – and I, I crunched all the stats for our, our master podcast stat sheet. So I have to look at everybody's stats. And I'm looking at these teams and uh, scroll over on the side if you um, – you know, you look at the floor. Color, it's, it's pretty. It's color-coded. It's color-coordinated. Um, yeah. Teams aren't good. Georgia Tech's not good. No, no, I think you're missing my point, which is like, did you see what's happening in the NFL with games getting canceled and oh, everything like that? Like, oh, I, that's yeah, that's where I was. I was picking that up for me. Jim. Yeah, like I feel like I feel like we're coming back just to like maybe get waylaid again. And I'm wondering if this is going to be like a five or six game season instead of the the 10 or 11 that we were hoping for. I think it's a real possibility. I mean, I honestly, because because I think Brendan brought this up on our podcast, which is like, um, you know, canceling the 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 game that we canceled was was a perfect time because you had some runway there. Right. You had the, the bye week or whatever. Now we're out, yeah. now we're pretty much out of runway. And so you you lose a game and it's like, well, there's only so many weekends in December. You want to start cramming games into, you know, what I mean? before you have and to say like Notre Dame's fault either. This could be. Correct. Be, and, and that, and, and they have and, one more. Notre Dame does have one more buy. They have right. uh, November twenty first. But well, the point yeah, you're is right. That, it's, it's is that it's Notre Dame? No, I don't. I don't worry about them beating these really bad teams from the ACC. I worry about these uh, either the Notre Dame having another another problem or one of the teams that they play having another problem or yeah. bringing well, a problem to it, Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame allegedly brought to South Florida? You know. Yeah. Well, well, it's what makes it interesting too about the uh, about how you get to the ACC championship game is best conference winning percentage. And you know you're thinking, well, yeah, if there's four teams that you know you Which start thinking of all these tiebreakers, five and zero, all these tiebreakers, one. <laughs> right, right, right. So I mean, you start looking at like if a team gets more games in, their one loss compared to someone else's one loss is going to be better. I uh, just be, you know because you you know, that percentage goes up. So, you know, a, an eight and one team is certainly got a higher winning percentage than a, than a five and one team. So that's going to get interesting. Like how many games can you get in? Um, and it really makes it feel, it really makes it feel stupid 
that the ACC did an out of conference game. Like, whereas the, you know, the, the SEC is like, we're just playing each other. Uh, I feel like the out of conference game seemed it unnecessary. Gives another bye week though, depending on when your out of conference well, game is. It well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They, they could have used that time instead of like having, having a word, you get this out of conference game. It would have gave the conference more space within to move things around. Should things get a little hairy here and there? It just gives you extra. It just gives you more to get to the ultimate goal. I, I am the only reason that I that I, in the beginning that we thought that they wanted that out of conference game was because of the SEC uh, yeah. rivalries, you know, South sure. Carolina Clemson. And so when those went away, why they felt they still needed to get that eleventh game in just felt kind of it, it feels kind of dumb now. Like Clemson's got to play the Citadel, man. I was going to say, Clemson's got to play the Citadel. Clemson didn't get an exemption from playing their South Carolina team though. Right. From the legislature. Well, you got a point. That's there's a legal matter there. Yeah. South with South Carolina. So, um, I don't know that. I I hear what you're saying, Josh. We're only like, well, yeah, we're only like a half joking because we we understand what you're saying. It's just at this point, I'm, I'm actually glad they played South Florida because I can't even imagine what we would be doing with one game of one data point and three weeks off, you know? Well, then you'd be like, um, you'd be like Virginia tech, Virginia tech plays, um, you know, North Carolina this week and it's their third game. They played, uh, NC state and Duke. They took the first two weeks of the season off. Right. Cause Virginia tech didn't even have a depth chart, uh, through the first two weeks of the season. Um, so, and Houston played their first game of their season tonight. They're they're playing. They they played their first game ever. Hey, jumping around a little bit, but is what's the reason this is a seven thirty game? This like this doesn't feel like a. I'd rather be watching Miami Clemson at that time, to be honest with you. So like, oh, that's why you have two TVs. Well, well yeah, Florida, well, the Florida State Notre Dame game. Yeah. Well, it's because this was they were going to get that prime time game in. I mean, they were looking. NBC locks theirs in, right? Like, like our games are locked in preseason. Most schools don't have that. They don't right. find out till two weeks prior what time their game is. So Notre Dame and NBC lock their games in uh, before the season starts. So th- this is where they wanted it at. And that's fine. I, but just, I mean, like, is there something like, going on major sports wise at two 30 that would have precluded them from even playing that game at two 30 on NBC? No, but NBC wants to have some time game. Yeah, yeah it, just, it feels weird to have a primetime game with nobody in the stands. You know what I mean? No, well, not nobody, no, I, but you know I, what I'm saying. That, that was actually but the prime reason Primetime games I don't have anything to do with people in the stands. Primetime games have everything right. to do with people at home. I, I get it. I get it. It just It's just sort of like a weird – like, no, first I, of all, you're, you're playing a, a – well, and they did this with Florida State in 2018, so I guess I shouldn't really say they're playing a vastly inferior team. Of course they shouldn't play this team of primetime, but – you know, it seems like they try to they try to pick a team that is going to be the you know obviously Clemson was a no brainer and then it's like a can we get a USC okay USC is not available can we you know like what's this who is the second best team that's also playing at home right can I well, give you Notre Dame's home past, schedule it's been, dude it's been yeah. Stanford and USC but here's Stanford, Notre Dame USC Michigan State you have five choices you have uh, or well you have six choices you have Duke UCF or USF you have Florida State you have Oval, you have Clemson, which is already a night game. Then you have Syracuse. That's yeah, it. so just just to be a contrarian, Syracuse is in December. Look, so December. A, the Duke having game a seven thirty game. 
the Duke game is appealing as a primetime game because it's the first one, right? And right. so, and then you could make an argument that Louisville is is a game that you'd you'd probably want to look to put in primetime because we th- we thought before the season started that Louisville was going to be you know Good. up there better. Yep. You know, I, just, I, know, I just I think I think maybe you're just over, and that's I just think you're overthinking it just a a little bit on that one. It's Florida State. Just, it's Notre Dame. NBC they're going to be they're going to roll wanted, out the old. Yeah, NBC wanted two night games. Notre Dame was obliging them with that, and that has to do with TV ratings, not attendance. Clemson was already there. The next one, and Brennan just mentioned it there before I cut him off, you got the, the Florida State story, whatever that is. Whether we agree with that or not, uh, you know, it, it's just like, okay. And, you know, they've done it before with Florida State. Maybe they like the yeah. Southern teams to play in the brisk night air. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense to me, too. So, I mean, here's a, here's a drinking game you can play for this game, Jude. Um, it's seven thirty at night. You get to drink every time they bring up the 93 or the 2002 or the 2014, some historical Florida state game, Jude, I want you to take a drink of your prickly pear vodka. <laughs> Anytime during this game, when Florida state's getting blown out and Mike Chirico and, um, Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy have to go to the well and discuss about the amount of talent on Florida state's roster. Cause you're going to hear the amount of talent that Florida state is, is on the Florida state roster. Despite the fact that Notre Dame is demonstrably more talent. Uh, if you, if you look at the, uh, the actual players on the roster, um, listen to the amount, every time you hear them talk about their talent and, and the, the job Mike Nervell has, and, and that he's got a stock cupboard or, uh, F- Florida state's a talented team. They just need to, to put things together. Why don't you take a drink there too, of your prickly pear. That's a lot of you know what Brendan know what you need to do, and I, so I, I'm giving you an assignment on air. Oh, bingo! Yeah. To, bingo board. Yeah, you need to come up with a bingo card. We we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and then uh, I didn't follow through and and uh, sign that. We need a bingo card. I'll put it on that. the. I'll, I'll put a. I'll get a bingo card ready for the uh, game day thread. Okay, awesome. Because I got a I got a game day picture I got to get for you. I'll get you a uh, bingo card to go. Uh, is it is it weird thread. for me to think that they'll they'll talk about '93 but not 2002 or 2014? Because oh, they'll talk about 2014. Well, it's sure. but it wasn't their game, and I and I yeah they wonder, they do a lot oh, of yeah that's true. I 2018 was 2018 will be the will be the other game they talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's it. That's their game too. 93 and 18, more so than 2002 2014. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I I mean I don't know. I don't, I guess it depends on how hairy the game gets. Yeah. I mean, right. If we get into USF levels, then we maybe start talking about like, you know, like the champ sports bowl and shit like that. Oh my so, God. Don't do me know. like that. You think they'll bring up 2003? You think, you think that'll be one they bring up? Cause they had 2003. <laughs> they should. I, I, I really like, I knew Lisa, would, I knew Lisa wasn't going to do that this week. Uh, she, I don't but the 2003 game. Yeah. I really wanted to talk about 2003. There is, and I'm not going to say why, on there, but there is a very nostalgic reason why the 2003 game sticks out to me. I'm not going to say why, but it's ridiculously memorable to me. Uh, and the awfulness of it (laughs) as well. Uh, Bring it up. That was a, that was a Catholic church banned that sort of flagellation (laughs) in the 15th century. (laughs) It was no, I mean, 
I, I don't think just, I don't think uh, I don't think Lisa was looking to bump people out about uh, no, a game we'd all rather 30, forget. So you guys know That's it's a job. thirty-seven to nothing death bucket. It was a it was a it's a this is why we recorded a podcast on Thursday night. It's a stupid ridiculous week for me, uh, but I had that game on my mind the whole time, like along with like five other stories that I wanted to write and never got a chance to this week. That was one of them. Like I that just wanted to bring that up. Uh, but speaking of one of those stories I didn't get to, I got, I got something I got to get off my chest. This whole, this whole ACC thing, this is fun, right? Right, Jude? You're having a good time. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. We're having, Brendan, you're having a good time with the ACC thing, right? I'm following the ACC. Like I've never followed the ACC before. Yeah. That, that'd be fair. Uh, do you, do you say that part of your enjoyment is because you know, this is, Kind of like one of those like rare treats. Like th- this is a dangerous snack, right? Okay. This so is, this, this, is this, eating, this is eating Cobra from India. Like Fugu. This, this, like this is like eating Fugu. This is like your wife telling you that you got a hall pass for yeah, a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you better just like sow all those wild oats because honey, you know, come 2021, you're all mine again. We're shutting this shit down. So be, and we could say that because we're all like happily married people. We're all, well, you're right. <laughs> sure. Well, 110% convinced that we know exactly what the end game is here and that Notre Dame moves on back on to be an independent after this season. I mean, like, what, does, does any serious person actually think that this is this is a this is a way station into full time membership next year? Well, I don't. And that's what's going to lead that, me. I think it's very real if um, COVID's uh, still around that they might be uh, they might be. No, I, I do think that I think that. I think you might possibly get an announcement in June for like an extension for another year. If, if numbers go fucking haywire still, but that's, that's not the point I'm getting at here, but yeah, but to answer you, Jude, I do think there are serious people within the sports media who think that this is a prelude for, for the end all, because that's all that these guys, that's all they can't think other way. They are hardwired for football conferences. Wait a second. Did president Joe Jorgensen not come up with a vaccine for a COVID by this point? I'm, I'm very confused. I hope she did. <laughs> I, I, just, I mailed in my, I, I voted, I, I vote, I did my voting. Uh, All right. Sorry. I just, I, ho- I hope she wins. I just killed Josh. So back to Josh's point. Do you have a rant lined up for this? I do. Somebody, is there somebody perpetuating this myth? Yes. Well, okay. I wanted to answer your question, Jude, because it was I thought it was a good question. Okay. Are there people for, before I move on? Are there people out there that that are going to vote George Washington? Sure. Well, those are the unicorns too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are people are hardwired. There's people in the sports media, and I think more so like younger, which seems stranger, but more of the younger ones than the older ones that are hardwired towards conferences. Like everything revolves around it. It's, it's organized. It's, you can put it this, this, and this, and Notre Dame has always fucked up their whole worlds by being an independent. Like, especially if they're from a trash annoying. university that plays in a big conference like Northwestern, right? right? It's been annoying for everybody for outside there. So having said that, having now, I, now I answer that. What I am, what has become more than a pet peeve to me has been this, like, somehow we have all jumped into a fucking wormhole and Notre, with Notre Dame joining the ACC. And that's because Brian Kelly on Monday got a question from Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. 
Northwestern. And he's not the only one. He's not the only person that has asked questions of this nature. But this is like we've been off a couple of weeks. We're just we're get, there's all sorts of questions to get asked. And but you know they're they're gonna take an ESPN question. And the question that he asks isn't even anything he's going to write about this fucking week. He's going to write about it at the end of the season because he's got some fucking opus already half wrote. And that's if Brian Kelly was. I, I can't dude, I can't even remember the whole, whole the whole, the whole question. It had to do about are you paying attention more to ACC teams this year, even those that you don't play? It makes no fucking sense to ask that question. Absolutely none. It's the same as asking a, a coach. Coach, are you paying attention to the teams that you play this year? That's it. There is no magic transformation that Notre Dame has gone over to, that all of a sudden, like the AC, like the teams that are in the ACC that we play are somehow tougher because it's a conference game. I know people love to say, look, all these conference people love to say, well, you know, once we get into conference play, then it gets really tough. You know, Rutgers is coming into town. They actually actually use that shit. So I guess my my first question is, what was Kelly's answer to that? It was very nonsensical. It was. <laughs> it was word salad. It was bit yeah. It was worth like like a like a fuck you answer like. All like, right. Uh, so let, let me, let's let's just talk about first principles because I make a certain set of assumptions on, and you got, you got to you got to tell me if I'm wrong here. D- does you know, let me coach, finish, Kelly, finish my point for okay, forget sorry. it. Okay. So so the point is this: is that before the. Before the season started and we had this schedule swap, everybody, I mean everybody, acknowledged Notre Dame's schedule got easier with them joining the conference. That was the big joke. Like, yeah. No USC, no Wisconsin. This thing got easier. Be, you know, no less tra- – I mean one that doesn't get mentioned is the, the amount of less travel we have to do. It's an easier schedule than it, than it was lined up to be uh, you know, in fucking June. But – Somehow now it's harder because they're these teams are harder because they're ACC opponents. <laughs> like they really like like they, like somehow there's some magical fucking dust that makes a conference game harder. Like no, uh, you know Duke is not harder than than Navy. I mean for Christ's sakes. I mean even Navy getting blasted by BYU. They're not harder than having to prepare for a triple option for a, one week. You know it's you know Pitt is not a tougher game. Than Wisconsin, no, nope. they're just not. So this, this myth that 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 they created that that these that somehow a conference game, you know, it maybe it means more in their on their own standings, but somehow it's tougher. But you have all these national guys now beating that drum, making that story, wasting our fucking time, wasting press conference time. Look, I gotta tell you, you don't get a whole lot of questions in those things. And if it's if it's a day that Kelly decides he's gonna take a couple of softballs and talk fucking five minutes about, you're really screwed. Yeah, the golden wall is tough to break through, right? It is tough yeah. to get questions through the golden wall. So you talk about all this nonsense, and it it absolutely means let, jack let, squat. But let me ask you a question. My assumption is whether it's a COVID year or non-COVID year, if you play North Carolina, Boston College, Navy, whoever, six weeks from now, you may on Sunday or Saturday night, look at the box score, look at the score of the game, maybe watch a couple minutes of highlights, but you're in no way breaking down film of a team you're going to play in six weeks. You worry about that team 
10 days to two weeks out maybe, and possibly real get real locked in seven days before the game. So that's exactly right. So the idea that Kelly would be paying attention to Pitt or BC or North Carolina, or even Clemson really at this point, um, when he has to worry about Florida state seems ridiculous. And then to add well, on top of that, maybe. and and then as then to say, and, and how about Miami? Are you paying attention to Miami? Like, I know I'm not fucking paying attention to Miami because Miami ain't on my schedule. Just like, I'm not going to pay attention to Wisconsin because Wisconsin is no longer my on schedule. Top of that, Dude, he said that. He said that. that you, okay. He admitted to, because they had a, a, a week off and he said that he didn't watch any, he, in the press conference, he said he didn't watch any ACC. He didn't watch any football games this weekend because he had a, he had his own scrimmages that he was running and he had shit that, that he, he had to take care of. Right, because it's way more important that he understands what his team is than a team he's a not going to play or b a team he's not going to play in seven weeks that he may that we may not even play at all anyways. You know, like why would you spend one second worrying about? Um, Boston College at this point because that game it could be never played, you know. Especially I, I coming off the two it. weeks that they had. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you're trying to you're trying to get your you're trying to get your team healthy. And the fact that the fact of the matter too is like, you know, it, they had these games scheduled that aren't there anymore. So all the waste of time they have in the off season, I, I think that sticks with you, man. Now it's like you have your shit to do. You're not going to try try to waste any moment on something that may not matter. Like you have, yeah. there are absolutely things that matter right now on at Notre Dame within that program, within that team that need attended to that need attention. And there are only 24 hours in a day. And I got to tell you, as someone who stays up 30 some hours at a time, mm-hmm. it, you know, those 24 hours go pretty quick sometimes. Yeah. Uh, when you're busy. So, you know, and yeah. I, and I, who, I would hope more sleep than I do. And who among us didn't spend an hour and a half listening to some podcasts talk about Western breaking down Western Michigan this, this summer, you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like shit changes, like it, ha- it, it happens, you know? And, and I think obviously before we always, we just assume games are locked in and now it just, I, I don't know how you guys have been taking it, but like every week is a blessing. We're getting a game this Saturday. That's great. I haven't had a game in two weeks. I'm very much excited about looking forward to that. If after this game, it goes south, I'll still be thankful for having three games. I want four. I want 10. I want 11. But I'm thankful for three. And that's the way that I'm approaching it. You know, and it's like they said, it's like it's like the quote from Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow's a mystery. (laughs) Yesterday is history. And today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Yeah, I mean, this is that's this is why I'm in, I'm on fire about this. Like there there is enough going on. Like that is a nonsense question. Uh, it, it and it's just it's something that just absolutely does not matter. I I wonder uh, if it took a lot of restraint to 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 not say to him. My I was literally just dealing with uh, a massive outbreak players. of a virus. On yep. my team that will not only affect the 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 safety and welfare of my students in this present season, but may affect them for the rest of their lives. So I'm sorry if I didn't catch your precious Louisville Miami game that you wanted me to watch. You know what I mean? It's just like like I get look, I totally understand that these guys are are got angles that they they're curious about and stuff. 
And so they're probably laughing at some of the questions that we come up with. But at the same time, like I just this whole like and I do it, too. Look, I you know, we got in this semi argument about looking ahead to Clemson. And, and I get it now. Like this whole thing is like it's so fragile that it just feels like you got to You got to take what's in front of you. And, you know, and, and also understand that the Titans game got postponed at the last second. And, you know, these games, they're not right. they're not guaranteed until the teams take the field on at 730 at night on Saturday. And again, we're having fun with all this ACC stuff. This is like this is a novelty kind of like a, a, a fun thing where we're, we're all looking forward to trying to get this thing. This isn't like a lifestyle for us. And that's the difference. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me you're telling me that I bought a charcuterie board that I bought a brand new. Are you living wine that bottle go ACC lifestyle? Listen, I spent $160 on Chardonnay this weekend so I could watch this Florida State game. And you're telling me that the ACC isn't a lifestyle choice, Josh? It is a short term lifestyle. It's like, it's like moving to L.A. It's like moving to L.A. You're not going to do the same thing. Uh, the first year you live in L.A., five years later, you're not going to be doing the same thing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just there's there's enough going on. It's it's hard to imagine. Like I don't know. Maybe they just don't get it. I mean, maybe they just don't understand. And, and we, which I think we know that. But it's just it's a non. It, I don't know why it burned my ass so bad that day. But I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. This is what you ask. I mean, I get fucking I get scolded by Notre Dame writers for asking a question about something that that they've they mentioned them fucking selves. And then here's the fastest defense in Notre Dame history. Yeah, here it comes to the <laughs> left field. And I, I don't know, it just it burned my ass. And I'm just like, this is this is not what this is not how we're supposed to be talking about the ACC this year. We're supposed to be having fun with this, not like scoring around for some angle, like every chance we can, like every chance you can get about the conference. That's just a, that's not it. Uh, I don't, well, I don't know. But it, I don't know if, you, that you, if your he job wrote is that to he's going to publish. ACC. If your well, job Rittenberg's is to cover got an ACC article that he's going to publish before the Clemson game, right? So he's got a he's got an article that he wants to publish right before the Clemson game, and he needs some quotes to Brian Kelly to to fill out sort of the 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 meat of it, so he can um, juxtapose that quote into his right, overarching. You want a little inside Notre baseball? Dame would be better off in a conference. You want a little inside baseball? He doesn't fucking yeah. need the press conference to do that to get that goddamn quote. ESPN just makes a phone call. Look at Heather Dennis for Christ's sakes, getting the, (laughs) getting the story. You know, this is Notre Dame is more than happy to, to help out ESPN with their news reporting because they understand where ESPN is in the, in the pantheon of, of the media world that we live in, in college sports. I I get that. I don't, I don't hate on Notre Dame or ESPN for that fact. So Northwest broadcasting (laughs) channel, but a, a question like that, that you're not even going to, you're not going to use. What are you doing? I, 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 that is, uh, that is, that is something that can get later down the road or without a fucking press, without being used a press conference. It just, you know, you, you say, you say later down the road, but then they canceled the press conferences at, at the flimsiest excuses. So like those, those opportunities to talk to Kelly have been a lot fewer this no, year than have yeah. always been. 
Yeah, they have. I mean, you, we can't even uh, we can't even stand on the sidelines and watch his radio show, right? <laughs> why doesn't he? Why doesn't Adam Rittenberg just call himself <laughs> CMU Penns fan? <laughs> Swarbrick for prize. <laughs> and write in and see if he can hear from Terry Benedict. Wash ND. Wash ND. I don't know any of these guys, but I know that they're asking a ton of questions. Uh, I. <laughs> Are there are there only four people on the Irish Illustrated board asking questions every week? Because they, I feel like they've got a hundred percent hit rate. I'm just just asking. Maybe I should go over there and actually investigate since I I had a subscription. But but, I, but I'll say this: I don't. I think their questions are are fairly. I think their good. questions are I, fine. I, yeah, I I mean I don't. I think I don't half of them are Tim O'Malley, but that's fine. <laughs> What's that? He says I think like half, half of them are Tim O'Malley. O'Malley. <laughs> that's fine. No, I think they're they're, they're solid. Could you burner account? Could you could you imagine Tim O'Malley coming up with four burner accounts and then saying that's a good question, Terry Benedict? So so now that I derailed the podcast with one rant, let, let's get to another. Okay. I, God, man, am I just angry this week? I don't know. Uh, I am sick and fucking tired of hearing about. Phil Jerkovic. I mean, I am like had it up to fucking here. And this has nothing to do with any kind of animosity towards, towards Boston college or anything to do with, with, with Phil at all. I wish him all, all the fucking luck. I mean, I really do, but Notre Dame fans, it's obsession. And it is a, uh, it, it comes at a time where we have a lot of data points on Brian Kelly and quarterbacks in Notre Dame and, and, People, the recruiting rankings gone wild and all that shit. I just, I don't give a fuck what Phil is doing at BC. I don't, no matter what, no matter what, he was not going to start a football game at Notre Dame this year. If he stayed, he was fucking behind Brendan Clark for God's sakes. So that's why he left. I think Tim Priester said it best, which is, look, everyone has to understand that this is a two way street, right? It's not about coaches failing kids. It's that's half of the story. The other half of the story is kids not is not doing doing what is needed to be done or or meeting the standard that the that the program program accepts from you know wants from them. The you know with no insight, no special insight of my own, only listening to what people say. There was a standard that wasn't being met by by the by the student athlete, and he went for a pasture where. He had an easier path to to what he wanted, and it's apparently a marriage that's worked out a lot better than it has in Notre Dame. And I joined Josh in saying best of luck, except for one week this year, you know. And so I only care about what Phil Jerkovic is going to do against Notre Dame. I don't I, like if he does great, great. If he doesn't do great, that's that it is what it is, right? I'm and glad so, you, I'm, I'm glad you brought I, up Priester because I, I but I, I, I just I, I just I just want to like make this point like. If you want to blame Brian Kelly, you can go ahead and blame Brian Kelly. But I would say that was a relationship that deteriorated between Chip Long and right, Phil Jerkovic. Right. And it probably has a lot less to do with Brian Kelly. Maybe he felt like Brian Kelly didn't back him up when, when he wanted to or he didn't appreciate the decision that was made ultimately by Brian Kelly. But look, if you're behind Brendan Clark, it's not because the coach has it out for you. It, well, it could partly be because the coach has it out for you, but it's probably also about your attitude, about your preparation, about your execution, about the little things. And from what I can tell, that was lacking. Right. And that, that, was, a, that was a point that 
Uh, you know, you brought Priester, look, Mike Frank, uh, which I disagree with, with uh, probably 60% of his takes on <laughs> things with Notre Dame. But one thing in particular that, that, uh, I think on the last power hour that he brought up when he was talking with Jamie was that was kind of what you were getting to. Like there was issues with, with Phil and with, <clears throat> with Chip Long. Now it got to a point most likely where there was nothing to do to fix that. And it wasn't like Notre Dame wanted him to leave. He could have stayed. That, that was They weren't pushing him out the door. Right. That was his decision. He could have stayed and fought for that, but he was not going to beat out Book. So now, is he going to stick around for all that? And the answer is no. Like sometimes a guy, it just they have to get the they have to get the hell out. And that I'm not trying to like bash Phil for for that. I'm just saying like that's the best thing for him is to, is to leave and to see what they could you know to get a fresh start. Which Is could it? change your attitude. Which could change. Well, I mean, it could change your attitude on everything. <clears throat> but he's I mean, walked he, into he's walked into a Christian Hackenberg scenario out there in Boston College. He's getting killed, and his running game is absolutely anemic. Do you know how many yards playing. they're averaging? But he's playing. He's playing. But Christian he's Hackenberg playing. played too, and he was a broken man before he took a snap for the Jets. Well, I mean, they're averaging two point four yards per carry. Well, two or three and games into the season, two or three games yeah. into the season, he's probably not worried about Christian Hackenberg, but he no. is happy that he that he is a starter. So he's getting exactly what he wanted, which can change everything about how you all the all the little things like Jude mentioned. It changes a lot of what you do. Like, all right, I have this opportunity now. It is right here. There's there's no if ands or ups. You know, it's right here in front of me. All the th- things that he used, whether their excuses are real, all that shit's gone. Now it's just him getting back to what he wants to do. And so that can help you. And he stuck around in Notre Dame. Maybe he just stays in his old ways. I don't know, but it's a good thing for him. But Notre Dame fan, but the the whole problem is for me is Notre Dame fans like eyeing it, like, like throwing 59 times in a game and completing 38 for a touchdown and getting sacked. I mean, you're acting like he's like in losing a game. You're acting like he's like fucking out there. Like, I said, like Trevor Brady Quinn did that. A I mean, they're averaging times. they're averaging and, 24 points a game. <clears throat> right. Like just let doing? it go. Like like you need to let it go. Well, like I guess we let, Jack, like we the one thing I would say is go. we we've you know maybe these people are speaking the loudest, but this is not a majority held opinion, right? I think most people are pretty I satisfied with Ian Beck. You look, mm. unlike you guys, I do have to venture into the murky water. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been it on is, Facebook since 2017. Listen, there is a there is a very strong difference between Twitter and Facebook and what is said. And I know a lot of media members like to dismiss all of it, right? As nothing. Sure. But it's not nothing. All right. I I'm not even going to I won't I won't dive into what social media means in the modern era, but it's more than fucking nothing. Uh, a lot more. So, but it is deep. Like there there is a deep there's number one, there's a deep sense of ignorance by a lot of fans out there about how things actually work. Like if, if a guy is like heralded as a four star slash five star, it's like, it's automatic. And if he doesn't work out, it's the coach's fault or the, I, I don't know. It, everything's so black and white to the, to, to a lot of fans and almost nothing is nothing. Almost nothing is black and white when it comes to these things It is a very big gray mix of shit. Uh, you just have to look at your own lives to understand that there's not a whole lot of black and white in our lives. Uh, so 
it's just this thing just keeps getting it's a slow moving avalanche of noise from Notre Dame fans about Phil and B, at BC right now. I mean, it certainly makes Notre Dame's game this year against BC uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, it's a fun uh, angle. I mean, a, I don't a, a know. Fun angle, anyways. It'll get beaten until, the first, until, until, until the end of the first quarter. When I was gonna say it'll get beaten to death, though. Dominated. Uh, well, he's playing. He's playing Pitt this week, um, and they. <laughs> he might die this week because uh, because Pitt gets after it, and and uh, I, I I that that's a game I have on my radar because I want to see what Phil does against that. Dude brought rush. this up. Dude brought this up last summer. He asked me this question, and it was a, it was a, it was a good it was it was such a good fucking question. We're talking about it now still. And you asked other podcasts about this question, I think. Yeah. Or we, we asked, Maya might have asked a question because it was just such a good question. It, it was good fodder. It was good fodder. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. It was, <laughs> if you asked me, would you rather have book come back for a fifth year, you know, or not with, you know, knowing that you winning now or, or having Jacobic or however you asked it. And I said, with, without fucking hesitation, book for a fifth year. Without hesitation, because he's better than Jakovic. And I, the, and the, the kind of the kicker of the question was, does that slow you down then after, you know, are you, are you risking a, a win or two or whatever uh, in 2021 or whatnot? Right. And I said, I didn't give a shit. I don't care. The point is to win as much as you can when you can. And that's what Notre Dame is doing. That's what they have. That's fine. That's what we should. I mean, do you think anyone's blowing Lincoln Riley shit, even though they should? But you're bringing in these transfer quarterbacks. You're not really developing anybody, right? You're getting in a Jim Harbaugh uh, had that set. problem. He brought in transfer yeah. quarterbacks, Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm perfectly Steve fine Patterson with and, uh, uh, Rudick. Um, hey, I'm hey, Josh, I like that. Now. I like that idea. I worry about two years from now. Jude, that's a great question. Josh, I have a question for you in the same vein. 2020 college football and college athletes in general have been granted a free year of eligibility. Would you rather have Ian Book come back for a sixth year or Tyler Buckner start the 2021 season. I mean, what are your thoughts on, I mean, would you rather have Ian book come back or do you think that it could potentially hurt a, a Clark or maybe even Buckner who, who people seem to be uh, very high on. He's a borderline <laughs> five star. You're go to me into giving you to making public my hot take about Buckner. I know. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But well, what do you listen, think? But I would absolutely, I would absolutely w- would rather book come back for a six year. He will. He won't. He's not going to, but Yes, I would. What if his mom said he could bring the mustache? <laughs> well, then fuck, we're winning a national championship then. That's the only thing that's holding us back is the fact that he shaved that damn thing. I mean, Josh, isn't this the classic bird in the hand versus two in the bush, right? Right. Isn't it? This, right. this is this is Notre Dame. Uh, you know, the beat writers love to joke about this, but there's would no. Would you rather start I a six-year quarterback who has started for four years and been a have been a major part of the team for six years or a freshman. Well, and by the, the way, go look at, go look at how many wins have been made in the five years prior. I mean, this is you know, like why Nebraska got rid of Bo Pelini, right? Because they didn't want Bo Pelini coming back for a, you know, fifth or sixth year, whatever year he was on with Nebraska, because they're like, we know what we have with Bo Pelini. And frankly, it's just not good enough. 
I mean, well, you'd or, have to you'd like have to have that. With Frank Zolich. You'd have I mean, to how do you fire, your, how do you fire a guy that wins 10, 10 games right. every year? You have to ask yourself that question, which is that if Ian Book can get you to nine wins every year and possibly as many as eleven, but never twelve, is that good enough? Depends on what's behind you. And if you're relying on a freshman quarterback, then 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 yes, Ian Book de- without him without a question be better. I mean, okay. we're, 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 everyone's you, banking on a freshman to come in. So if you take if you take a nine win Ian Book in 2021 over a six win Tyler Buckner in 2021, but you cost Tyler Buckner three wins in 2022. So that now you have the six win, you, you follow up a nine with a six instead that's of following up a six with a nine. Is that a problem? That's, that's too complicated for an answer. Okay. Cause the, cause there's a, there's a whole lot of, and you know, this, there's a whole lot of, we don't fucking know anything about this or that to put that into it. Like I, that's too complicated of a question, but if you're asking, would I take book to sacrifice the future starters development time? Yeah. If it means okay. to win more now. So, uh, so yes, to, to, just to simplify it a little bit, because I, I think if we get overly complicated, we could bring in all sorts of scenarios. Um, you know, and that just, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I am, I am all for winning now. I will never not be for winning now. And there are yeah. ways to develop your, your players to, while you're winning now. I mean, Notre Dame absolutely needs to get Brendan Clark snaps right now. Uh, I mean, how many snaps is he taking this season? He's the backup quarterback. How many snaps is he zero, taking? Zero. Zero. That's a problem. That is that a problem, right? Absolute problem. Now, granted, he would have got more snap. He would have got snaps against Duke, but he was out uh, for the USF game. Uh, so all we have was Drew yeah. Pine. So Drew Pine got some snaps. That's good. That's, and that's, it's nice that Ian Book is living that Jake Gyllenhaal bubble boy life, but <laughs> you need your backup quarterback in the COVID era to be getting snaps. Right. Right. And I don't feel comfortable. Uh, yeah. Look, Drew Pine, I, I feel could could come in and beat Georgia tech, but I don't know how I feel about him against Lowell here's or why, Pitt or here's why Brendan Clark getting snaps. Th- this is the broader scope of why it's important for Brendan His Clark. Mullet? <laughs> yeah. First of all, God bless him. He is, a, he, he's got, he's got it. I, I, I've talked about Brendan Clark to me, like, just like he's got it. And if part of that includes a mullet and a mustache, then that is part of it for sure. But he's also, he's, he's your second string quarterback. He's one play away from being the man. And as of right now, he's, he absolutely has a leg up for being a, for being a starting quarterback in 2021 should book choose not to take that six year option. So you want to bank on Tyler Buckner as a freshman coming in to Notre Dame at quarterback to win football games for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love but it. there's a little bit of a problem. What's the problem? He's played a lot of college or a lot of high school games. Yeah. Like, right. So that's not a problem, right? Once again, this, this, is, this is, this has got to be a first that I brought up Mike Frank twice in a podcast. <laughs> high school, high school careers really taken off. When Dane Christ was at Notre Dame, <laughs> Mike Frank was someone who was very critical or very, not critical. It's very skeptical about Dane Christ before anybody else, way before. It wasn't like he was bashing him or said that he was going to do poorly, 
but he had some concerns. He had some major concerns. One of those being, and I remember because he would, I mean, almost every power hour, it seemed like he would mention it. One of those being was that Dane Chris did not play a lot of high school football. He was hurt quite a bit, did not play a lot of snaps in high school. And Mike was worried that, you know, at a place like Notre Dame and the big game atmospheres, you know, playing at that level, he would have some issues because he was not, he just didn't have the, the snaps to, to be in line. And as it turned out, that was fucking pretty much Dane Chris problem. The, yeah. You know, you deer in the headlights kind of a thing. He Is that Dalen in, Hayes's problem? Ooh, well, we can get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. But that, so right now that is my concern with Buckner. That's absolutely, I think that it, and you can, you know, you can bash me all you want, but I think it's a valid concern. He missed an entire season with injury. He missed an, he's going to miss an entire season because of COVID. You're only in high school for four years. And the, so the time that he played, he played, he did play at a school where you're not really playing the toughest competition out there in California. This was the year he transferred. He transferred to was a Helix in San Diego. I think it was the same school Reggie Bush went to. Yep. He was good. This was the year we were going to see how he did against better competition. So we don't have a whole. We really don't have a whole lot on Buckner. And then you see him go into the elite, you know the Elite Eleven stuff, and he struggled a little bit. I think there's a genuine concern right now about Buckner, but you know not to be too much of a dick on this. That's only I'm only putting that in the scope of is he going to be ready as a freshman to win you football games? I still think that he can be a very good, have a really, you know, great career at Notre Dame for sure. But you put all that that I just mentioned into the scope of now you're going to come in as a freshman and win some football. game. I, I don't see that. So Brendan Clark becomes even more important to you right now. Because I, in my eyes, it's his job to lose should Ian Book decide to finally leave college. I mean, is that fair? I yeah, think that's, 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 that's very fair. I'd like to see the guy take snaps this year, but yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to bash, but I mean, people are. Some people might have just fucking screamed at me pretty hard. I thought no, I thought it was a hattie. I thought it was a very. The reason why I goaded you into this whole thing is I wanted this take from you. I didn't want to sell. I it. think that it's. I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. I think that it's well. Here's the thing: is I thought that it was very nuanced and heady of you and forward thinking because it's going to be something that's going to be discussed, and it's it's something that really is going uh, a side effect of COVID for a lot of people, and especially Buckner, because this was a season. You're right that he was supposed to break out, moving to a higher level of competition. So I, I yeah, wanted to get it out there for you. I wanted, for I wanted was- you to get it out there because I thought that when you thought it up, it that I thought it was exceptionally. Uh, well thought. I mean, so. he could play catch with his dad in the yard and have as much competition as what he, he can did. Have George, he could have George Whitfield so, uh, run around with some with the broom, broom, broomsticks. Right. right. Please stay away from him, George Whitfield. But I just, this was the year we were to get, he was going to get that more competition. Yeah. And so that would help prepare him to enter Notre Dame and, you know, as an early enrollee in the winter to compete for a starting job. I just don't think with all that, I don't think there's any way. I mean, outside of, I, I don't know. I, I just, he's not Trevor Lawrence. I, he, nope. he, I think he's a very good quarterback. I just don't think he's like, he's not that level. And that's okay. That's not, 
I'm not bashing the kid for, for that reason. I mean, he's not even really, well, he's not even ranked as a five-star right now, is he? I mean, I know it goes up and down with the wind uh, <laughs> over there, but I mean, and that's okay. He needs, he still needs to develop. There's a lot of tools there that are fantastic and he has, he has an opportunity and a ton of potential to be a great college quarterback, a great one. But as a freshman, that may not happen. He's or not a probably five-star. Won't but I would like to report that Notre Dame is the ninth-ranked uh, class in the country. Just, just thought I'd put that out there. How they um, move for spot without getting anybody? So, um, well, I think I think it was at, they they moved up to nine after getting Deion Colsey, which I don't think we even mentioned uh, that they got Deion Colsey <laughs> um, and Jane Thomas, which I think is two. A pretty big thing. Did Colsey uh, come back? Did Colsey come back in the fold because Brian Kelly was following the Mac Brown playbook, or I think he finally. I think he find. Well, I think um, <laughs> we mentioned it with uh, nice. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not gonna let that go. I am literally never gonna, never gonna let that go. No, you should never let it go. <laughs> I, I mean, I've probably got a tweet saved in my drafts for that kid, that poor kid, and is going to hear from me in probably December and February about following the <laughs> Mac Brown playbook. So, <laughs> Mac Brown's playbook consists of put it, building a fence around the state you live in, and Carolina's got a lot of talent, so it does okay in, in Carolina. I Yay. mean, it's it's the same as being state, like, look at look at, good in, in state. look at Alabama. They're ranked 84th in the you know 2022 rankings. Uh oh, could the dynasty be over? You know, yeah, two commits like, later, number yeah, four. Like, yeah. By <laughs> the way, if we're gonna if we're gonna dunk on some UNC, which I am always here to dunk on some <laughs> UNC, Sam Howell is in full on sophomore slump uh, regression. Um, they put out a, a stat about he hasn't hit a single pass this season. He is 0 for 10 on passes longer than 20 yards this season. So if anybody wants to, is that anybody wants to discuss about Ian book is that Bob? Uh, and pushing? <laughs> it's not great, Bob. But what people are putting him as like the second and third, the, you know, the second best quarterback uh, coming into the ACC this season. And he is 0 for 10. Uh, on passes 20 yards or longer downfield has has louisville's quarterback figure settled on a first name yet or is he still bouncing back and forth hurt. uh no he he well, he's hurt um but he's Aww. it looks like he's gonna play this weekend um oh, yes. okay he is, is gonna he, play is that malik or is that uh it's Mikhail. malik it's not mikhail anymore it is uh, not malik my god okay. it's malik which I was having a problem trying to find his name because I was like is he hurt or not and I'm like googling mikhail cunningham and I'm like I saw him get carted off. Where, where the is the question news is, on him? Is how is the auto tagged uh, in the SB Nation? We're about to find out when I press submit on this Florida State. You guys uh, want to know something, something frustrating? Cal Hamilton will not come up in the auto tag. I noticed that. Whereas Brian Kelly, Buffalo, some Buffalo offensive lineman from 17 years ago is was named Brian Kelly, and he's he still gets wrecked or like how, when, Al, uh, how did Alizé get tagged? Josh Adams, the running back from wake forest, right? Instead of Josh Adams running back from, or maybe he was a linebacker. I can't remember what the deal was, but somebody from wake forest would always come up first. This is oh, such inside baseball. I don't know that anybody cares Aaron, about this. But. Aaron banks, Aaron banks is another one. 
Yeah. Alize Mack would never come up after he changed his name from Alize Jones. That was annoying. Any, any, uh, any, uh, uh, any Johnson, any Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Johnson never comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Johnson's like, there's like 15 Jordan Johnsons. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit inside. And then if you mention Tommy Reese, it it tags him as Tommy Reese quarterback. Shrine Shrine (laughs) Bulls. Yes. Shrine (laughs) <laughs> and I ah, sure yes I, no and i leave it there every time tommy reese i don't turn it off ever on that i let no, that why not bowl go. you know what if you're searching tommy reese shrine bowl you should get all the hits <laughs> you should get all the stories well hey we we probably need to get to um we gotta get to the picks man yeah we gotta get to the picks that's what i was that's what i was getting to get yeah to all right brennan all right i'm gonna drive this bus so we took a hiatus, and the reason we took a hiatus was because Notre Dame wasn't playing, and it kind of felt disingenuous to kind of go through the picks if the heart wasn't in it. Um, so let's just give a, a, an update on the standings. Currently, Josh is in the lead with six correct, four wrong. Take that, Tally Dude and I are both tied at 50%. Jude's four and four. I'm five and five. Jude wasn't here the last time we did picks. Uh, so I just took his off the site picks and it was ACC games only. So Jude didn't pick who, if uh, Cincinnati would cover against Austin P or if Oklahoma state would cover against Tulsa. Uh, but, and by the way, Tulsa's looking pretty, pretty good. We'll see that Cincinnati showdown, uh, but it's not going to be fixed. All right. So first game <laughs> Cincinnati up here, Jason podcast, uh, Cincinnati Jason had to get it in there. Um, so Georgia is hosting the Tennessee Volunteers. The Tennessee Volunteers are tied with Notre Dame for the longest win streak in the Power Five with eight games. Georgia yeah, is Air Force a, has it with nine, but Air Force Air is Force done has with nine. And their Air Force is done with the season as they had played their um, uh, other service academies. So, so did the Mountain Georgia West is, not do a MAC? Right, the Mountain West didn't do a MAC and say we're going to go play. Five or six it games in November, right? It doesn't look like they have, or did they? Did, did the Mountain West? I thought the Mountain West. I thought the Mountain West said they were going to come back, and everyone was like, "Some of these schools aren't even in school. Like, what are you talking about?" See, very, very important to to me uh, is Wyoming. Uh, Garrett Crawl uh, from Hicksville, Ohio, is a very good uh, defensive end at Wyoming. I uh, just started. He's been starting defensive end for like three years now uh, out there at Wyoming, and. Uh, that's huge for this, are for you, this town. Are you saying he's their ace in the Jackson Hole? Oh my God! He shoot. I'm gonna send that up to the uh, to the News Tribune, which is the paper here. <laughs> no, the Mountain West. Mountain have West I got a playing. lead for you? <laughs> Mountain West starts football on October 24th. Uh, Air oh, Force plays San Diego State, Boise State, Army. Yes. Uh, Wyoming, the Lobos, Colorado State, I'm Utah State. I am a huge fan of Mountain West football. Like I, I made a huge case a, cu- a couple of years ago. Maybe it was more than that. Mountain West football is fucking dominant football. It's it's good football to watch. So I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to go into a huge rant. Heart, you. I, I had a lot of fun with those Kevin Sumlin San Diego State games. Um, I really bonded with my father-in-law back in the day. Uh, watching I just those. During, they got. They got fucked during the conference realignment thing, and I but I but I felt they screwed themselves by not helping themselves out more with that too. I mean BYU kind of put a BYU should have been in the fold. Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. So go ahead. Georgia, 
12 point favorite against Tennessee. Josh, who do you got? And why? Now, so let me ask you, because is our favorite Trojan horse uh, currently playing in Athens? So is JT Daniels going to play in the football? The entire game? reason that I'm on St. Brown is that you see it in Notre Dame, which I don't know. Can we use I'm on St. Brown this year? Uh, <laughs> God damn recruiting. Yeah. Is he, is JT the starter this week? No, he's not going to be the starter this week. Um, okay. So. I don't know. Tennessee's playing with a lot of confidence. I think it's kind of smoke and mirrors a little bit. Um, but this is not that it matters a whole lot, but this is in Knoxville though, this game, right? No, it is. It is in Athens. Oh yeah. Okay. God, I've been kind of all wrong on this game. So fuck that makes it even do. All right. I'll take, um, I'll take Georgia to cover. They, they bring Tennessee back, back down to reality a little bit there. Tennessee's improved quite a bit. But they're not; they're still not quite there. Georgia still has buttloads more talent, yeah. And I, I just, I just think they're they'll end up squeezing them. All right, Jude, what do you, uh, what are you feeling like? Do you think that the the Tennessee revival is real? Are you, are you buying Jeremy Pruitt? Uh, I think Georgia's going to win, but Tennessee will cover. I. I think I agree with Jude. Um, the reason is, is 12 points is a lot of points. And um, Georgia struggle bust against uh, an Arkansas for a half. And I don't know if uh, Auburn's very good. And for all of the platitudes that uh, Georgia got for beating Auburn, they still only scored 27 points. And we all know when <laughs> we brought up before, what if Notre Dame only scored 21 points? Would everybody be hand wringing? And our fans do. Um, but the national media, when it's Georgia, writes them glowing reviews about how amazing they are. So uh, I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. Um, next game, ACC. So this is Notre Dame's conference, of course. Uh, North Carolina hosting Virginia Tech in a battle of top 25 teams. And North Carolina has is getting six and a half is a six and a half point favorite at home against Virginia tech. Josh, what do you got? All right. Well, last week, I believe the entire secondary for Virginia tech was out. Yes. Yes. Uh, still one. I think that speaks volumes about, I think that speaks volumes about, about them as a team. Um, I look, I've changed my mind quite a bit about, um, Justin Fuente uh, I, I mean, I thought he was the real deal. Holyfield back in 16. Uh, yep. and I just don't think he's lived up to any of those, uh, expectations that I have, let alone his own fans for God's sake. But I think this is a pretty decent, this is a pretty good Virginia tech team under maybe underrated. I think North Carolina's slightly overrated. I'll take Virginia tech with the points. You know, maybe North Carolina ends up winning this game, but, uh, I think it's going to be a more like a field goal. I think you, uh, what do you got? I think uh, North Carolina wins. I think they cover the spread. What's the spread? Four and a half? Is that what you said? Uh, six, six and a half. half. Six and a half. Oh, I was looking at soft four and a half. Uh, ah, screw it. I'll still take North Carolina. And I also think this is going to be a 
uh, pew, pew, sh- um, lots of, lo- lots of, lots of scoring. So I'm going to take, I'll take the over whatever, unless the over is at 70 something, then I won't take the over. But if it's like, you know, 50, 60, whatever. Yeah. I'll take the over. Uh, I like going last. Um, I like Virginia Tech in this game as well. Um, I'm just not buying North Carolina. I, I watched that game against uh, BC last week, and I came away wholly impressed. And frankly, I wasn't impressed in the first three quarters of their game against Syracuse. I thought that they looked like shit. Um, so Virginia Tech, maybe they had a, they had their COVID scare early in the year, and their team was able to maybe bond them around it. And maybe I'm buying Justin Fuente. Why not? Fuente. Fuente. Uh, so now we're going to the Carter Carl special. Uh, the Texas A&M Aggies were taken to the woodshed and well, I don't think they were taken to the woodshed. They were taken to the crock pot and well, it wasn't a crock pot cause it was, it was more like an Instapot. Were they taken they were to the put, bonfire? They were taken, they were taken to the bonfire by Alabama. It, it looked like they were going to make a game of it. And then it just like, like an Instapot, the steam finally settled and that shit cooked in a hurry. Um, but now they're playing, they're hosting Florida and they're getting, um, six and a half points. So Florida is favored by six and a half. So Florida is traveling to Texas A&M and Florida is a six and a half point favorite. So Josh, what do you got? Do you believe in Kyle Trask? You know, I've, I hate myself, but I do. I was not buying any of the Florida hype before the season started. None. Uh, but I just, I think if they're going to put up points, I, I, I about, I, I'm surprised by the spread. I honestly thought Florida would be favored more. Me too. Um, so I will. I'll definitely take Florida here to cover. I, I'm. I am wholly un, unimpressed with the A&M uh, Jimbo Fisher era. I mean, it's just it's it's got to be. I mean, Carter, Carter you got to have some. That's a major disappointment for the amount of money they're shelling out for him for fucking Mike Elko uh, yeah. for the. For the recruiting that they're doing, it's just it's it's not it, it's nowhere where they thought they were going to be. Uh, so in Florida, I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying I just think that they're a team on the rise. They just seem to uh, they seem to be what people are saying they they are. So um, yeah, I'll take Florida for sure to cover. So this is one of these games that if I was listening to the Her Loyal Sons pick podcast, would they would also remark on the fact that the spread seems low and they would yeah. say Vegas knows something. Um, I'm not going to buy into that impulse. I'm going to also take Florida. I also think that they're going to cover the spread. I have no confidence in Texas A&M. Um, and so that's it. I, I like Florida. I just I, I just feel like I don't know. You shouldn't base it on history and Texas A&M not showing up in big games, but I just, this one feels like Florida. Huh. Uh, I think then we all agree then. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Trask is, I, I'm not sure what I feel about him, but I do know that I feel very heavily about Kyle Pitts being the best tight end in college football. Um, he is a six, six, uh, athletic machine. He is, he's unlike any tight end in college football right now. And he is PFF's think, best non quarterback. 
He is Play. absolutely amazing. And and if you guys have the time to watch this game, watch Kyle Pitts. Um, he's number 84. He's impossible not to see because he is a monster. Uh, so I can't wait for the Cincinnati Bengals to draft him in the first round this year. Um, <laughs> Could you make a whole team out of uh, guys named like Houston and Pitts and stuff like that? Like, is there like, are there dudes that are just represent other teams names, but they're not actually on those teams? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good question. If you could, if you could get a, a, a team full of, Ooh, I mean, you have, um, I was always jealous of girl too, in, right? this girl in college. Her last name was Irish. Kelly oh, Irish. If you listen to this podcast, which I doubt you are, but she's a Notre Dame fan, but she, she always wore a Irish hat around and that was her last name was Irish. I always thought that was pretty dope. That's cool. I guess I guess you could get away with it if like <clears throat> Philly Brown does Philly Brown count? Like a guy yeah, like Philly yeah. Brown? You, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you gotta give, make some exceptions. A little here, a little bit here and there. Yeah. I mean, is there a school of Awusu Koromoa anywhere? Yeah. Uh, woo A woo woo you? I mean, is is book like Case Western or bookcase? I'm sorry, that was a joke. But anyways, yeah, no, I get. Where are That's we? But it wasn't an Ohio joke there, Jude. Well, so now we're on to the two night games. Um, the first of which is the one on ABC. And the line seems kind of, depending on what your thoughts are, Clemson is hosting Miami on, in primetime, and they are getting four, they are a 14-point favorite against Miami. That's a lot of points. That is a lot of points. That's, especially for... Take out everything you know about Miami pre-2020. You would think Miami is a pretty fucking solid team right now. But knowing that they can regress and regress hard, uh, 14 points seems like still, I don't know, it's a lot. It seems like a lot of points. I just think this game's either going to be like, I think this game's either going to be a massive blowout. Yeah, that's for sure. Or it's going to be, it's either going to be massive or it's going to be small. Like two points, you know what I mean? Um, but I'll tell you. God, it, it will launch a hundred national columnists if, if Florida is to prevail in this game, but I, I honestly don't think that's going to happen. So, well, you mean Miami will, but I'm uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Miami, Florida. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take Clemson to cover. I just, it's how can you not right now? I, I just, I find that difficult. How many, close I, games has, how many close games has Clemson been in, in, in conference play over the last five years? I'm, I, I, I feel you. They've but only I, lost like what? Two or three. I, yeah, I got it. I got to gain some ground against the number one person amongst our trio. So I'm going to take Clemson to win, but Miami to cover. Okay. Cause 14 I mean, is good. a lot of points. 14 is a lot of points. Yeah. Um, I guess since the Clemson resurrection, um, they, in 2015, they've played Miami just, but a scant two times, right? It was, uh, 2015 and, um, 2017. (laughs) Do you want to know the combined, uh, you want to know the combined score? One of those was in an ACC championship game. Was it not? Uh, yeah, it was, but only because. Only because Georgia Tech was on probation, I think. Uh, no, the the seventeen game was um, in the ACC championship game. And it was a lot to a little, if I recall correctly. 
Uh, well, it wasn't quite as bad as the um, the 2015 incarnation of said game. The combined score of those two games is 96 to three. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe I shouldn't have it. taken the points. Uh oh. Um, I do. I do really like. I think Derek King is a different difference maker. And Miami sometimes it's just a quarterback that that can make a difference. They haven't really had a quarterback since what Ken Dorsey. And they they have a, they do have a but they looked pretty sloppy against UAB. Louisville turns out to they they dog they were in a dog fight with with Louisville and Louisville had a. Set, Louisville was able to storm back, and then they were able to sort of take the lead again late. And then they just, you know, ground Florida State into dust. So, obviously, Miami is deserving at this point, um, you know, with the, the amount of points that they're averaging. But I, I don't know, man. I, Clemson has some – I have some serious questions about Clemson's defense to this point because they lost a lot of talent. But Amari Rodgers and um, – Travis Etienne, and it just – it could I, – I, th- I think that maybe Miami keeps it close, but by the second half, uh, Clemson ends up putting them away late and winning it by, like, 17 points. That's fair. That's fair. Is there any way this becomes first screen in your house while the Notre Dame game is still on? No. If, no, it cannot. Yeah. So it's, even if Notre Dame's up 38 nothing in the fourth quarter – and the, we're the other games. podcasting that night about the the Florida State Notre Dame, so I need to I need to be locked in. I need oh, yeah, to know th- all of. Yeah, thanks for reminding uh, our listeners and Jude uh, <laughs> that we're going to be we will have a podcast recorded right after the game. So, uh, thanks for the reminder. Do you remember <laughs> the last time we did this? It was my second ever podcast. It was after the Michigan game. Was it you and I, buddy? I think it was me and uh, you and me did the preview game for, okay. for Michigan and Josh and I were, uh, it was my first ever podcast with Josh and it, uh, oof. Yeah. <laughs> we don't look back don't, in anger. <laughs> I literally remember zero about like, there's a lot of shows I, I can re- recall. I know I remember nothing for that post Michigan one. Nothing. We were less mad than I thought we would be. Um, Other games. Last game, Notre Dame, Florida State. Notre Dame is a 21 point. Free. Actually, it's dropped down to a 20.5. 20 yep, yeah. 20 and a half. So we'll, we'll put it in there for the, the hook. Notre Dame is a 20 and a half point favorite. Josh, who do you got? Tell me how this game in this one. Tell me how this game's going to go. <laughs> you know, I, <clears throat> I wrote the anti preview today. Uh, it'll, it'll be published on Friday, but. I had a hard time uh, with my last section there, uh, you know, at the end of the day, which actually I need to change it at the end of the night, but uh, it's either here or there. I have no idea how this game's going to go. Like, I have zero clue if it's going to be a slow start or if it's going to be one of those things where we're kind of surprised. Oh, maybe we shouldn't be because it, it happens more times than you ever give credit for where a team comes out. You have all these concerns and they come out and they just they look good. You know, they're crisp. They're they got the timing down. I just don't know. I have no idea really what we're going to see. What I do know is that Florida State's offensive line is trash. It's pure garbage. They're on their third string quarterback. They just, they're not, 
a cohesive team. They have talent on defense, uh, but you know, their best safety is still questionable. I, I just don't think it's going to be close by any means. Even if Notre Dame starts slow offensively, I, you know, and I'm not the only person saying this, Notre Dame's defense is, is, is still good. I mean, even if Clark Lee has his famous, you know, kind of slow start where he gives up three points or whatever, and everyone's stressing out in the first half, the second half adjustments you come around and, and they take care of business. I'm looking at like a, like a, I think maybe 38, three, 41, three. Now there's a caveat with those points where, you know, defensively, you know, either they score a defensive touchdown or there's a, uh, you know, a deep turnover, kind of like a 2018, you know, with the Nick Coleman thing. I just, you know, even if the offense is, is still a little rusty, the defense gives them that edge. Give me Notre Dame covering the spread. I, it, that's a lot of points, man. But it's Florida State points. is just trash. Yeah, I just, um, I tend to worry about things that don't usually turn out to be that big of a deal. I've been, the storyline here for me is the, how will they play after the the time off? Um, will it be kind of a slower start? Um, I think that obviously that plays into whether they cover the spread. And then I think the over is 52 and a half right now. So I, I'm just going to, I agree with what jo- Josh's analysis, like they're just, Florida state is outmatched in every way. And there's no reason this game should be close or will be close. Um, I like Notre Dame, like a 42 to three sort of feeling. Um, oh, you're right in there with me then. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 42, 10 or whatever gets us to 52 on the, the line or whatever. I'm there. I'm there. They cover, they win the game. Um, we all have, we all have a good time. And then, you know, we're, we're side eyeing the uh, Miami Clemson game. I, I remember the last time Notre Dame played against Florida <laughs> state. And, and frankly, I kind of look back on that game really fondly. Right, the 2018 game. One, I liked the uniforms. I wasn't in the press box. I watched the game on TV, Ugh, and I thought brutal. from the TV that the uniform really popped. Um, from the TV, sure. I liked that Brandon Wimbush was able to get sort of the perfect swan song. He threw three touchdowns. He threw two picks. And he um, listened. He was so excited. He was that, so that was, excited. I mean, Dexy went for two hundred in that game. The way he I came just, out the field that night. On senior night, it was electric. The, the ovation the crowd gave him. Yeah, I you could not have you couldn't have wrote this better. I mean, honestly, he had he had a good night on the field himself, but just like the positive vibes that he threw out there, never hung his head for losing his job. Brandon Woodbush is a class act, absolute hundred percent class act. Love him forever, and just watching the excitement that he had to get on the field that last time. I, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to really interject, Brendan, but no, dude, just, it, I, I'm on board with that. Cause he no, threw those whole touchdowns five, in the first pat in the first half. Just, and it, it was amazing, man. It really was something it, else. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. The 2018 Florida state game. I remember quite fondly and that was a trash team. And I remember leading into that game. Um, you know, who was it? Ryan Burns was the, he, he ended up going in the first round. And people were talking about, uh, you got to watch out for Florida State. They got a, you know, they're down, but they got a lot of talent, especially on that defensive line. And they did. Burns was a first round draft pick. Um, what was the other guy's uh, Christmas something? Um, they had a D tackle who was pretty good too. True. But 
Uh, yeah, Christmas tree, Christmas Washington, or something. I think it may have been it actually might have been Christmas Washington. Um, but they had some talent on the defensive line. But it didn't matter. Dexter Williams went for two hundred. Brandon Wimbush had his way. Brandon Wimbush threw three touchdowns. Florida State just couldn't protect themselves and couldn't stop Notre Dame. And and I see this kind of being the same thing. And it was balls cold, man. It was and balls it was balls cold. And it's actually going to be really warm this weekend and spectacular. Yeah. Uh, head up to the pumpkin patch if you can, because uh, uh, it's pumpkin patch weekend. Um, but I digress. The um, This game, though, there's a lot being written about um, the two-week layoff and whether or not the team's going to come out. And I can I, I actually I actually think that it might – they might come on a little bit flat to start the game, but you know what other game they came on a little bit flat to start the game, the wake forest game. Do you remember the start of the wake forest game, the 2018 Ian book coming out experience? Sure. They came on a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Why, did, why didn't we score on the first drive? That was, why didn't they, I think it was maybe the first two drives. Yeah. Um, Cause there was a fumble on the second drive, right. That set up a field goal where the field goal kicker who was named preseason all ACC uh, came out and shanked it uh, or doinged it. After he but, got on the field. Yeah. I I picture maybe sort of a slower start in the first quarter, but Notre Dame's defense offensive line and Isaiah Foskey is going to be an absolute terror in the backfield. He might not be a starter, but it is it is not a starter in name only. He is going to get in there and passing downs and he is going to make he is going to make absolute hell in the backfield for Florida State. And at the same time, just the way that they play defense and the soft coverage that they get, this seems like a game, a healthy Braden Lindsay. But I also see Tommy Trumbull being a Tommy Trumbull's is going to want to block, but he's not going to have to. So he, they're going to be able to, to slide him out and let him get out into space a little bit more. And while we want to see maybe Kevin Austin get some play, um, I just see. I don't know, man. I, I, I see Tommy Tremble having a big game. and I see Isaiah Foskey just eating Jordan Travis alive back there. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Notre Dame is going to cover this gaudy spread as well. Nice. And then <clears throat> that kind of brings ahead. us to the, the, the last part is um, we got into we wanted to we wanted to do a thing where you picked the, the defensive and offensive player of the game. Josh, do you got a do you got a do you got a pick? Oh man, so we can't take Jack Kaiser, can we? <laughs> <laughs> or my or NBA. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Kyle Hamilton. Uh, what I know that there's there's talk about him only getting maybe half the snaps still coming. Out. I just feel whatever snaps he's he's gonna be in on, he's gonna be a fucking terror. I, and if Florida State has to throw the football, I think he is going to be all up in their shit. Uh, and so, you know, maybe that's a safe pick. But, you know, hey, look, he still may only get 50 percent of the snaps. I think he's going to flat out dominate while he's out there. Um, they haven't Florida State has a hard enough time throwing the football, regardless of, uh, you know, having one of the best wide receivers like, around. Uh, so, yeah, I'll take Kyle Hamilton offensively. Um <laughs> <laughs> Should I just say Kevin Austin and get it over with? Um, <laughs> do it. No, do maybe, it. No, maybe this, this, maybe this is the game. Uh, maybe I'll just keep saying it until it happens. Maybe this is the game Chris Tyree just takes off. It, it isn't going to be, you know, it won't have to be a whole lot of snaps, right? I mean, the kid can 
hit a home run from wherever. So, you know, if he has, you know, seven, eight carries and, uh, you know, 125, 130 yards, cause he had a couple of long ones. Was, okay. I could see it happen. I mean, I could definitely see it happening. Uh, but yeah, I think he ends up making a big difference in this game. Uh, but it's got, it just, it's so much of how it really depends on how Tommy Rees approaches this game. Like, are they going to just keep doing the running thing, uh, you know, and stay strong with that, with, you know, with these, these power formations, or are they going to try to utilize Braden Lindsay more, you know, with the healthy Braden Lindsay, uh, Kevin Austin's on the field, you know, I don't know, but you know, I'll give it to, you know, kind of a toss up, but I'll throw my hat in the ring for a burner. Uh, Cause I know he can hit a home run. Um, I think I picked out a Ogandeje for my uh, defensive player for the first week. Um, yes. you know, I still, I still love Ade, um, but I'm going to switch it up for this one and go Isaiah Foskey because I'm hashtag Foskey fan. I consider myself, uh, an extended family member, a long distance cousin. Uh, if he transfers to Purdue, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second thing is uh, I'm kind of looking forward to the tight ends eating all freaking day. And Tommy Tremble had a great game. Um, but I feel like that's too obvious. So I'm going to go uh, Michael Mayer for my offensive player. Ooh, I love it. Um, okay. So I'm going to do exactly what you are going to do. And I'm going to do Isaiah Foskey and Tommy Tremble. Uh, I'm going to uh, copy up a crib sheet. I, think- I love it. You know what I would love? I would love it if it was uh, Ian Book and Dalen Hayes that were oh the. Oh my God, yes. Hell yeah. Uh, I would love well, that. Well, I think that Dalen Hayes' big game is going to be against Pitt because it's going to be the uh, it's going to be the Hayes Bowl because right now Pitt has a uh, freshman defensive lineman named Dayon Hayes. Um, so there's going to have to be a showdown between uh, who can be Dayon versus Daylin. It's like. There can only be one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a Highlander thing. I was, I was gonna say is it's like a, uh, like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon thing, <laughs> you know, like a, a little bit of Wu Tang in there, just a syllable difference there. Okay. Well, that's all I got as far as the, right. the picks go. I think we did a pretty good job. Um, okay. There's a pretty good mix in the the game picks. Uh, Josh went Louisville, Georgia, Virginia Tech, Florida, Miami, Notre Dame. Jude went Louisville, Tennessee, North Carolina, Florida, Miami, Notre Dame. And I went Louisville, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Florida, Clemson, Notre Dame. I got to say, I am, I am disappointed with the weather this week. Because it's so I nice? Mean, well, yeah. Look, this, speaking of that 2018 game, that was a shit ton of fun watching pregame. Notre Dame's players come out completely just in just in biker shorts out there Florida State's on the other end they are parked up you know nowhere near embracing the cold they're out there shirtless and it's a it is a mind thing it's like we don't it it's as old as football like can you handle the elements and I I remember a a playoff playoff game the NFL uh, a bunch of years back it was Carolina Panthers first ever playoff win. And it was the first time green Bay had lost in green Bay. It was a freezing ass cold game, 
But Carolina came out there like embracing the cold, like no sleeves, like, like they took to it. And it says a lot about a team. So many of these teams from down South, just, they crumble at this, you know, at 40 degrees. And, you know, so you want to say the South is a better, you know, they got the better football. All right. But this is a game that's played in the elements. Uh, apparently in this element, they suck ass. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, Miami and the Sun Bowl, for God's sakes, uh, was another good one. Uh, Notre Dame and Hurricanes. Um, so I don't know. I just I, I wish it was a a 38 degree nippy because it's a night game, too, which makes it even colder. You know, I wish it was a 38 degree nippy night. But it's not. We'll deal with it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, yeah. And they do make, you know, what's funny is the, I remember doing post game video after the 2018 game and I was, fro- I was fucking frozen and trying to talk while your teeth are chattering to death. Uh, were was something else. It was cold, man. Yeah. It, maybe it was, it, I think it was like 20, it got down like 27, 28 degrees, but it just felt way colder than that. Uh, so yeah, no kid from Florida wants to deal with that shit. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap this up. Jude, you got anything, uh, anything left for us tonight? I just want to say congratulations to Luke Massa who got married. Just if you remember Luke Massa, it was the uh, quarterback. State X considered above Tommy Reese when they uh, came in. Uh, and that well, 2010 to... class, right? Hey, he was a starter at Notre Dame. He's, he was a holder. That's right. Um, holder. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Uh, and apologies, because this is all that I'm thinking about and doing, because uh, this is literally my job. But uh, Notre Dame put out a, a tweet that said that 100% of their football team had registered to vote. And Brian Kelly followed that up with saying, um, something to the effect of it's great to be registered to vote, but we're actually going to follow through and, and actually vote, uh, which is, is such a huge thing in, in my business, which is, you know, we talk all, all the time about leading the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And, and there's plenty of reasons to be disillusioned about um, the choices that you have for November, not only this November, but in future Novembers. Um, but it's so important that that you use your voice and your voice is your vote. So uh, the registration deadline for New York and several other states is tomorrow. And so if you are not registered to vote yet, please go ahead and avail yourself. If you have questions about New York, feel free to hit me up. I will be happy to answer them. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on By Facebook. Tomorrow, you mean today? Today. Yes, today. I'm sorry, today. Um, but, uh, you know, just do it. Just do it. Just get yourself going. Just give yourself that option. Even if you end up not using it, at least register yourself and get the first step done because after tomorrow it gets infinitesimally harder to vote in New, in New York if you're not registered. Be involved in the process. Trust the process. Yeah. Be a, be a Nick Saban voter. I mean, look, there's a guy on the ballot in New York who's running for president who is in a Mighty Ducks movie. I mean, if you can't get behind that, I don't know what you can get behind. <laughs> so <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Brock Pierce, y'all. Brendan, Look him up. Brendan, do you got anything uh, anything to get out on? Uh, no, I'm just glad that I'm out here um, influencing the Notre Dame media in such a way that I am. 
right now. <laughs> I think that I'm really putting out uh, the best effort that's uh, making sure that that uh, you know, put in the, the work. The Pete, the, the Pete Sampsons of the world are feeling their 43 years of age. Now, did somebody actually follow through and write an article about? Uh, oh yeah, Tyler James did. Uh, okay. Get on that. I he, uh, he, I missed it. I got, I got, a, I got the hashtag. Uh, I got the hashtag shout out on the the article as well from Tyler because he needed to uh, corroborate with me to make sure that he had all his uh, spellings uh, right. Ducks in a row. Yeah he, yeah, he had to make sure all that was right. Do you think he was like binge watching the series just so he could get himself a little bit more familiar with what the hell? Yeah, I think so. I think I think he probably did. I think he had to, to make sure. I, I'm pretty sure the series That's has a about hard thing. Do you think it's a hard thing just to jump both feet in, though? You know what I mean? Do you think Brayden Lindsay was <clears throat> so psyched that he got a question about that and not? Oh about, yeah. Oh yeah. You know. He changed his Twitter handle um, <laughs> to. He's finally in. Bra- I mean, if you look at Brayden Lindsay's Twitter, it's basically just anime sub uh, retweets. Uh, but then he put in there, um, you know, football player slash anime lover. Uh, so he embraced his inner weeb. So that, that's good. You know, that's great. We're, you know, Brian Kelly talked so much this year about uh, giving a voice to the players. And Braden Lindsay's choosing that voice to be for anime. He's letting his his inner his inner geek out. That's fantastic. Be be you, man. That's 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 beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I got nothing else. I got nothing left in the tank. I am so glad this week is is not really. God, I, I got a ton of work lined up the next three days, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to have football uh, to watch on Saturday, so that's. That's fantastic. Uh, but, but man, it's just, uh, Jude's right. This is an absolute blessing to just, to have a game. Just, just realize this, this is a blessing for you to be able to watch a football game. Uh, there may not be one a week after that. I mean, we just absolutely don't know. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, protect your governors. Hopefully they don't get uh, involved in a kidnapping scheme. Um, <laughs> watch out. Brendan, your your state's about to get, about to go down, apparently. <laughs> oh my! So, all right. Well, for us, to you, go Irish. <laughs>